You can't buy love, but you can rent it for three minutes. I'm about to do to you what Limp Bizkit did to music in the late 90s. Dad? Bad dad. Seven. Good dad. Let's just go talk to the professor. McAvoy and Stewart. These diamonds are confusing. Welcome everyone, this is episode 15 of the Comics in Motion podcast. Um, I'm Chris Phelps, want to thank all of you again for tuning in and uh, this is my co-host Mr Dave Horrocks. Hi guys, welcome to the Comics in Motion podcast. What we like to do here is we like to review media like movies, TV shows and games that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be looking at the media from the perspective of a long-time comic book fan, and Chris will be reviewing mainly for that media perspective. And we'll meet somewhere in the middle as we walk through our different media reviews. So, Chris, another great week. Very good week, Dave. And I think what we sort of said in our summing up last week with Blade was it's a classic for all the right reasons. As I actually believe this was the sort of... Uh, flag bearer that led into all these Marvel Universe films, you know, greatness. You know, we've had a few turkeys in between the last uh, 20 years from when Blade come out, but there's been some great films. And, and sort of stopping that, as we said, uh, slapstick comedy feel to their sort of superheroes of, uh, you know, days gone by. And this, this, a lot of people around our age, Dave, it really sits well with them who've been to see it. And I, I Every, everything we put on, the facts, there was always a response. There was a lot of feedback and comments. So, you know, it, it's great to see that, we, you know, you picked him. You picked such a good film for us to review last week. Yeah, and it, like you say, it was really because after that Black Panther review, a lot of people were talking about the links with Blade and how much they love Blade. And, and so that that was really what drove us to to put it on the list in the in the first place. Yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I think, I think as well, Dave, it's a good... Mix up, and what one thing stuck with my uh, comment at the end is true. Is you know I, I would have given it an Asgard twenty years ago, whereas now because unfortunately the bar has been well, for, well fortunately for us, people don't realize how lucky they are now, the younger ones. But the, the bar has been set so high. It be I mean I, I don't want to throw my life away, but it'd be interesting to see what people think uh, of Infinity War, which for me is is the bar now at the moment. Yeah. And, and as Blade was back in ninety eight, there was nothing compared to it. You know that and. I know that we were both around then, so it, it'd be interesting to see what the advances has be, will be as the years go by. Because it, technically, at the time, that was just out of this world. That film for the CGI and stuff. Well, given you know the the two movies that we've reviewed around that time, so Generation X '96, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield '98, the bar was pretty low. <laughs> wasn't it so it definitely you know it raised the bar uh but it's it's a lot higher now for sure but absolutely that was it's that was marvel's first big win at the box office wasn't it yeah and and i think as well a lot of films that were gory and as dark and that that sort of edge to it where it's obviously a, a sort of vampire based film they were always just seen as a horror film. So to have it as a mainstream release and based on a comic, which obviously I find out, you know, doing this ourselves, it was based on comics. 
uh, it's just interesting because I just think it changed the dynamics of how certain films they were able to sort of go outside the box and not just go with your generic Arnie and Schwarzenegger. Arnie and Schwarzenegger, that's the same person, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Arnie and Stallone type films or Bruce Willis. You know, you, you were able to bring these sort of pop culture icons in or comic book icons and, and do something with them. So, yeah, it just, it just dawned on a new age, I think, which has led into everything that we're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. And and as I mentioned last week, you know, the this was one of the rarities where, well, it's, it's probably getting more and more popular now, but, but where the film really dictated what then happened in the comics. Yeah. You know, mostly it happens the other way around. Yeah, and, and like what you said last week, and, and it's it, it come across, I had a, did a bit of research after we did our review of, of the comics, just what you said with the 80-20 split, and that obviously the original creator had not got any um, royalties or credit. As so, he got credit eventually, didn't he? But he didn't on the second and third one because the characters were so different. And it's night and day, Dave. You, you look at the stuff created after the film, and it, it's just Wesley Snipes. Before it, you mm-hmm. couldn't probably you couldn't really recognise the character as such. So really, really powerful stuff. Stuff. And it helped Marvel, I suppose, in some respects, because it, it's developed a character and evolved a character they probably wouldn't have done much with around that time. Yeah, yeah, he was on the periphery. And I guess looking back at that last week, there is a link, isn't there, to what we're reviewing this week? Yeah, yeah, and there's some good stuff what we're reviewing this week. I, um, are you going to reveal what we're reviewing this week, though, Dave? Yeah, so well, should we talk about how that how that link is? So it's not with Blade One, but in Blade Trinity, so the third one, we actually saw a, a Ryan Reynolds character, and I hope I'm not tripping over any of your uh, movie background. But as part of making that Blade Trinity movie, legend has it that I think it was one of the directors had basically said to Ryan Reynolds, "Oh, you you're basically playing Deadpool," and handed him a bunch of Deadpool comics. <laughs> yep, and then you know from from there it's been a, a little bit of a love story between love and hate maybe between uh, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. The hate being more around that 2009 time uh, with Wolverine Origins. But yeah, so so this week we're going to be reviewing the 2016 movie Deadpool. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, I'll be honest with you, Dave, I'm not going to start giving me review scores out, but this is another cracker for both of us i think you know absolute brilliant uh topic to choose and i think it's one that i think most comic book fans would say they did a good job because it's it, 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 there's not many things like this around and ryan reynolds is just top man so yeah so have you got some comic book background yep. dave yep so just and just before i get into that so obviously we're on the eve of uh, of Deadpool 2 coming out, aren't we? So ah, yeah. when we looked at the schedule, it seemed rude not to to review Deadpool just before we go into Deadpool 2 as well. So we're nice and we're, we're, we're well-versed in that little pocket of the X-Men Fox universe going into the second movie as well. So so next week we'll be we'll be catching up on our cinema review of, of Deadpool 2 as well. Which is perfect, Dave. Like I mean, all the Superman and Superman 2 for, for different reasons because they were directed and you know made at the same time. This just makes perfect sense, I think. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the 
hopefully, I mean, I've not seen any spoilers, but I've seen stuff online already, and I don't think we're going to be disappointed, shall we say. But the evolution of the film, which I'll get into in the movie, background stuff, is, is very, very interesting with this. It's really intrigued me reading up on this. Okay, well, I look forward to the movie background then. So let's go through the comic background first then. So Deadpool was created by writer Fabian Nicieza and artist Rob Liefeld. And actually out of those two... Probably more people recognize and know of Rob Liefeld. So he was the artist. Nisi Aza was the writer. Rob Liefeld was part of... He was just a young lad at the time. He'd, he'd been picked up by Marvel, did a bit of stuff for DC as well. And he was... He's got a very polarizing style. So there's a lot of comic book fans who absolutely hate him. And I must admit, some of the some of the art he's done, it, it's almost like caricature. You know, there's... there's a particular image of Captain America, one of those covers that sticks out in my mind that's just awful. But basically, when he came on board in the early 90s, he tried he tried to turn everything up to 11 so everyone had massive guns both the rifle variety and the arm variety lots of pouches and everything and, and it was just very distinctive and like i say he's, he's associated a lot with those 90s kind of comics and you know some people like him some people absolutely hate him but yeah so and he he actually was one of the early creators. We probably, we haven't touched on any image books. Um, so image is what the walking dead was created with. Uh, there's probably a few others that escape my mind right now, but there's basically a bunch of artists that abandoned the big, uh, creators, mainly Marvel and went off and created this new label for independent comics called image. And, uh, yeah, that was quite exciting, but we'll probably talk about that another day. Now, back to Deadpool. So he first appeared in New Mutants 98. Now, I've mentioned New Mutants before, when we actually when we were talking about Generation X. So this was a series that started out in the early 80s, and it was really, it was like a spin-off the X-Men, but it was about mutants who were going to grow up to be X-Men, but ha- really hadn't figured out their powers and and. We're, we're trying to grow up as well and so that had run its course pretty much when you get in towards 1990 91 it, it's gonna be cancelled so it made it to issue 100 and then it was cancelled so basically when Liefeld and, and Nisi Asia were on this book they already knew that so they could pretty much do what they wanted and so Liefeld in issue 98 and, and I think Cable which we'll maybe speak about next week uh, came in 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 issue 87, so a little bit earlier. Deadpool and also uh, Domino, and there was also a character called Gideon. Don't really hear much of him, but they were all created in the, in this issue. And Deadpool was essentially a villain, you know, and, and Liefeld had used his character design. He was based a lot around Spider-Man, and he said he, he used to love Wolverine as well. Um, and he sent he sent the draft off to Nisi Aza, and Nisi Asia basically looked at it and he said, well, that's, that's Deathstroke from the DC universe. You know, the, the character design and everything, it's, that's just him. So he didn't change the character design. So it is just a little bit, it looks like a copy of Deathstroke. I, I don't know if you've seen any of the Deathstrokes from the, from the DC universe, but they are very similar. And so the writer Nisi Asia basically said, well, we'll call him Wade Wilson because the character Deathstroke, his name was Slade Wilson. 
<laughs> so, I mean, they, they refer to it as an in-joke. Well, it's not really an in-joke when it's so obvious, I don't think. But, yeah, so so a lot of crossover between these uh, the way these guys looked. Now, in terms of his character, though, so he, he was very much a villain when he came in. He was paid off to try and come in and, and attack the new mutants. And then come issue 100, the New Mutants was cancelled and the book was relaunched as kind of X-Force and Deadpool was kind of a character that, that would regularly appear in there again, very much a, a villain. And then in his own title book, probably getting on towards the late 90s, Joe Kelly actually had a run. Now that's where you really start to see Deadpool's character be formed. And he introduced that idea of like, or not the idea, but I'm sure other people have done it, but for Deadpool to break the fourth wall. Yeah. And he was developing him more as kind of an anti-hero, more so than a than an actual villain. And so writers since then have... have carried on that have taken the torch and and you know developed on that again but what i what i'd noticed so he he'd had a he'd had a few goes at his own title and he'd always had this cult following you know it was very loyal to deadpool but he hadn't really been that popular but there's been a steady incline you know and certainly since the i would say 2008 2009 2010 in the comics he's just got more and more popular and it's almost to a comedy level how many comics he's in he just appears on these variant covers for Thor, for the Avengers, even though he doesn't even appear in the book. You know, he just got more and more popular there. Now, I'm going to leave a bit in the pocket. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about in in the last few years, things have taken a, a bit of a strange turn that, that don't, not, none of this appears in the movies. You know, he's he's actually married. He's got a daughter that he didn't know about he finds out that actually someone brainwashed him to kill his own parents but we won't get into any of that in terms of recommended reading what i'd recommend is uh joe kelly's run from from the late 90s that i think it was around 97 and also not part of his own book so in the last few years he, he has had his own own runs possibly go back and and read some of those cable and Deadpool issues, maybe. But I'd really recommend Rick Remender's X-Force. So he comes in, he, you know, you've got uh, Wolverine in in that team as well. You've got a few other characters in there, but he gets the tone just right, you know, so he's not overly wacky. And it's just a really, really good team book. So I'll draw a line under the comics background there. Chris, do you want to tell us anything about the, the movie background? Yeah, well, you were right what you said before, Dave. Um, the reason Ryan Reynolds came across Deadpool was because of his work on Blade Trinity. But Dave, I'd said it originally, and you actually poo-pooed this man, but our favourite director again led Ryan Reynolds down the path of Deadpool. And who do you think it is, that legend that I proclaimed? Well... <laughs> I'm assuming it's not David S. Goyer. No, no, it is David S. Goyer. Oh, right, okay. Right, well, right, a director. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. He, what happened was, you were right about the comics. Ryan Reynolds got fascinated by him because they actually, Deadpool says in one of the comics, and the line is, he refers to himself as a cross between Ryan Reynolds and a Sharpe dog. 
Yeah. And that, that's where it all come from. So from there, obviously, Reynolds was obsessed. And New Line had done a deal around 2000 with Marvel where they were going to produce seven films. One of them was going to be Deadpool, but they'd always wanted Ryan Reynolds on board. Um, Jeff Katz, who's like what the main executive there, said he was just the perfect guy they could see and stuff like Blade, Trinity and things like that, where he, his comedy sort of timing was always on point. So they said to break that fourth wall, they needed someone who could deliver it in a convincing way as such mm-hmm. with the comedy. So Reynolds from there had got on with David S. Goya to sort of make the film, but around about 2005, it was dead in the water. But then Fox then wanted to sort of take up the reins of a Deadpool character. And that's where this sort of 2009 cameo coming in X-Men's origin with obviously Reynolds playing the part. And he was good in that, but his part was supposed to be minimal. But as they were, you know, sort of making the film with Hugh Jackman and that, it became more and more what a sort of the comedy side of it. And he was, he's a great character. In it. And I must admit, when I first watched X-Men at X-Men Wolverine Origins I wasn't sure who it was at the end of the film you know because that was supposed to be depicting and it was Wolverine one of the Sony's mouth and everything and that's obviously referenced in this film and these little you know sort of uh, taking the mick out of so I I think and stop me if if I'm going to trip over what what you're about to say but I I mean I so guilty little secret right I kind of like Wolverine Origins (laughs) I love it. I love it, Dave. I'm with you on that. I love uh, Lee Shriver as well as his brother. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and okay, so, so I can draw a line. For me, at the end of that movie, Ryan Reynolds is no longer Deadpool. In my mind, and I'm not saying I'm trying to trick myself. This is just if I'm trying to rationalize how I feel about it. The first bit of the movie where we see Ryan Reynolds, for me, that, that's Wade Wilson. Yeah, so that's before he gets all his powers and whatever. When we see him at the end, and he's got lasers shooting out of his eyes and samurai swords popping out of his forearms. For me, he's Weapon Eleven. He's he's something different. He's he's not Deadpool anymore. But I know Ryan Reynolds was particularly sore about that, and I, I believe that because he'd fallen in love with the character. He didn't want to do that either, but I think he was basically told, well, we can always get someone else in to do it. And it, so it became like, okay, then, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and do this. And I know that I, I remember seeing some interview, the marketing machine behind this first movie and the second one, although the second one, you know, it's not as much of a surprise as what they've done, but he was interviewing Hugh Jackman before one of his movies. And he's, <laughs> I can't even remember what the movie was now. I don't think it was Greatest Showman. But he's, he was basically saying, you know, asking him about Hugh Jackman's movie. And he was basically saying, like, um, did the directors ask you if they could sew your mouth shut? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's obviously quite sore about it. And I think another input into all of this it was around, wolverine origins was around about the time of the the hollywood writers strike wasn't it yeah it was so they were they were basically shooting with with no real you know you obviously had draft scripts and stuff you didn't have nothing but you, you know you you were essentially without that real focused effort to get a really tight story so Despite all of those things, I, I can watch Wolverine Origins and, and quite enjoy it. And like I say, the, the last bit for me, it's not Deadpool. It's just a bit of a write-off. Yeah, you see, it's, well, it's just wrong, in it? Let's be honest, totally wrong. You wouldn't even think they were the same two characters, even though they're played by the same actor. There's nothing that even relates to the character in this film. And, and that's why they said... 
at the end of X-Men Origin, uh, I keep saying X-Men, sorry. That's why at the end of Wolverine Origin, and spoiler alert if you've not seen it, they, they have this thing where you think he's dead and he's not because this was trying to lead into another film. But uh, our good friend, and we seem to be followed by the Donners, Dave, Lauren Donner, she took it yeah. on to produce it with Reynolds. And Reynolds, they were on to produce it through Fox. And then they had uh, the writers, which were uh, Reet uh, Reese, which is a tongue twister, and Paul Wernick. But Reynolds was so into the character that apparently he was badgering him every single day to get this done. How's the writing going? How's it? Cause he just mm-hmm. said that this, this team got it, but obviously the, this film was directed by Tim Miller, but originally it was offered to Robert Rodriguez, you know, from Dust Till Dawn sort of oh, thing. Right. Where, yeah. um, you know, obviously. And Sin City. Sin City, exactly. But, but he decided not to take it on by the end of the year. And this is where Tim Miller come in, but he not, it was his actual directorial debut as well, because he'd done sort of short films, done a lot of the visual stuff on X-Men and he'd done stuff on the Ford, Dark World and things like that, but he'd never actually produced a film as such, you know, as a director. So mm-hmm. he was given the reins to it. Now, one of the things in the production, which sort of, it hampered the Deadpool stuff because it was a rated R film and Reynolds was like, you know, we've got to stick to it. He was taken on as a producer and that and Fox were like, right, fine, you're one of the producers. It was the R rated stuff because he'd never really done it to an extent yeah. properly with a big budget. We'd had stuff like Watchmen and we'd had Kick-Ass and stuff that, you know, they were lower budget films. They were, they were you know, they, were, they had a good reception, especially Kick-Ass did, but it was a, a lower budget film and even in the, in the cinema and the, the box office it was. So, when Reynolds did Green Lantern in 2011 and it was released, I was like, absolutely put the back burner on this film because they were just sort of thinking it's going to be a disaster because it's mm-hmm. R-rated. People are just not going to get it. But they knew that the character of Deadpool can't be like a PG or, you know, whatever, a 12 in the yeah. UK sort of film. So it was never there as such, but then some test uh, footage got released, didn't they? It's the taxi scene. with, with yeah. The taxi with obviously some Miller had done at his studios in 2012 and it was released on 14 and this is where the actual film got commissioned. So obviously the film comes out uh, Feb the 12th, 2016. But one of the things, Dave, that I really was interested in with this film was they had no faith in it at all, Fox. They were saying like, you know, as I said, it's an R-rated film. The budget was a lot lower than anything they'd seen. So we were a bit like uh, some of the stuff we've reviewed in the past where the budget had a massive constraints, which you wouldn't think now looking back on the film. Mm-hmm. It only had a budget of $58 million, and it was originally 65 and like 48 hours before, Fox just got a bit of cold feet and just cut it again. So you had things where certain characters and that weren't actually in the final scripts. Even the baddies, you know, we've got Ajax as the baddie, but there was stuff like Gable and that was supposed to be in it. And they were like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll use him for a sequel if we need to, because they simply didn't have the resources to do it because Fox thought he was going to be a turkey. Now, obviously, oh boy, were they wrong, Dave, because in 2016, it was the ninth highest grossing film of 2016 where the budget of 58 million was smashed and at the box office, it took 363 million um, and 400, that's in the US and Canada alone. It took 420 million in all the other countries worldwide, which gives it 783 million on a budget of 58. So Fox were completely wrong. But the one thing it did, Dave, which was absolutely amazing, and I've got to give full credit, and if we were giving review scores just for development and marketing and stuff like that, Brian Reynolds would get an Asgard. Because basically, 
he single-handedly took it upon himself to use social media, the internet, as a complete tool to promote the film because there simply wasn't the budget there because there was no faith in the product. He believed in it that much. And he went on everything. He was on stuff like, even stuff like Pornhub and things like that. He took over Marvel's Snapchat for a day. That suit he wears is actually his suit that he took from the films and he uses it everywhere to promote the film because there simply wasn't the budget to, you know, have different suits. So it's actually something from the film, even to the point where we know about this fake rival with Hugh Jackman, but that was all, again, marketing stuff used against mm-hmm. both of them. And, and it's all, even stuff like, you know, we're saying Pornhub and that, you know, but there's stuff like Tinder and Snapchat. I, I, it, they were just blitzed by him and he was on like daft little things like billboards and doing like uh, fake testicular cancer adverts which you might think is in bad taste but it was all done with the blessing of the various companies who endorsed this and things like that so what he did for that film Ryan Reynolds should be applauded he should get an award for that alone because it's simply shown that if you want something enough and you believe in it you'll do anything you can and he simply just took on another job to make it the success it is you know obviously he's going to get profit out of it he's one of the producers and I'm sure there's some caveat there where he might have done a bit of a brando on it and got a bit of a share the you know the figures and that but you know absolutely fantastic and when I it think, co- sorry to cut across you but i think unlike brando you know, yeah yeah he's absolutely right. put his heart and soul yeah. into it hasn't he so yeah yeah i don't mean that i mean in the respects of the, the profit but you're Just right getting, like, yeah, yeah like jack nicholson did with batman he, he got yeah. like you know 60 odd million dollars didn't he because he asked for a share because he didn't think it was going to be a hit and this took it out of the park now critically absolutely up there it's like it was actually it's actually the highest grossing uh sorry i'll go to critical stuff in a sec it's the highest grossing x-men film ever because it's classed as an X-Men film of sorts because yeah. it's around that age, and it runs parallel to the actual uh, timeline of the films mm-hmm. um, on top of that you've got it, and, and then for 2016 if you actually even though it was the ninth highest grossing film if you use it as um, a bottom line figure against the budget it's the second most profitable film of 2016. Critically, again, on Rotten Tomatoes, even to this day, 306 reviews, it's at 83%. So for a film that's two years old and... It, that's just unbelievable. And the average rating across the world on various other critical sites is 7 out of 10, which might mm-hmm. not sound like a lot, but it is for the amount of reviews that it's had. Some people didn't get it, but the majority of people just got it. And and I think you can't argue with that, Dave, as such. And just finally, Dave, before, I got, before we before I go, I've not even started the review, Dave. I'm sure people want me to go, but I haven't gone yet. Is, um, a lot of the lines that Deadpool says when they break the fourth wall down were actually little digs and little one-liners that were actually true. The last bit, Dave, I'll go into is the sort of jokes and the fourth wall stuff that Reynolds brings to the film. Now, a lot of the times you give the actors up to 15 different joke alternate lines they could use if they wanted to do it when they were filming, you know, to see which one became the best. But a lot of the stuff Reynolds did, he actually just improvised it. Like one of them is where he says, you know, it's funny how you only see two of two of you here, you know, referring to the X-Men when he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the house. Uh, it's like the studio couldn't afford any more X-Men. Well, that was true. But the Fox yeah. chairman, Jim Giannopoulos, absolutely loved it. He was like, that's one of his favourite lines. And then when he says about the, the one of the famous lines for everyone, which is mentioned across all social media and in the reviews, is the one where he says about, the, you know, Professor X, who's being betrayed by James McAvoy, Patrick Stewart, you know, timeline to confuse you and stuff like that. But it's all these little in-jokes that he does that were just done on the fly and they let Reynolds go with it because he just thought it made more sense for him to sort of have this 
dialogue with the TV and, and just talking to the audience sort of thing. So really good. I just, I just, you know, I've, I've rambled on there probably the longest I've ever done, but I just have total respect for Ryan Reynolds now after reading all that day. I think it's absolutely fantastic what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I say, the comic book character is always breaking the fourth wall and from those initial Joe Kelly run comics. But Reynolds, you can tell that he's just bought into it, bought into the character, loves the character. And there's no one better, honestly, who, who can do that. You know, he's so even when you see him in interviews and stuff, he's just he could be a stand-up comedian, couldn't he? The, the way he delivers those one-liners. Oh, he's fantastic, Dave. And I, I agree with you. Just Sometimes you've got a character and you're thinking, you know, could someone else play it? Like, I'm intrigued if we get a different Wolverine, which we're going to get at some point, but I just don't know. Like we have Christian Bale, who is actually going to play that part better than Chris? You know, Ben Affleck gets stick and, he, you know, I've given him stick, but he's just him. I just couldn't see Deadpool being anyone else but Ryan Reynolds, Dave. You know, and I, yeah. I mean that. I couldn't. And it's, you know, I'm so looking forward to what we're going to do today and then lead on to sort of obviously our review as well of the second one. Yeah. In the coming yeah. Week. It's going to be fantastic. So, yeah, it's, it's all binds together well, I think, for the review today. Really, really interesting. Cool. Well, should we, should we get into our review? Let's go. So we start off and straight away you can tell this is probably going to be a different kind of movie. And actually what, what I didn't mention in the, in the comics background is I'm a big Deadpool fan. <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, I wasn't reading New Mutants about the time when he made his debut. But kind of through the 2000s and certainly into the late 2000s, um, uh, there's a particular secret invasion storyline, which I just absolutely love. And so I'd been following his comic book career. And this movie was in, it seemed to be in development for so, so long. And it, I just honestly resigned myself to the fact that this was never actually going to make it to the screen. And then you mentioned it in the movie background there, but the, the, the test footage that they'd shot was basically this, this opening scene. And I'm sure when, when we say it was leaked, you know, accidentally leaked, <laughs> yeah. know, there's no accidentally about it. You know, someone's intentionally put it out there. And ultimately, when it got out there, the people just loved it, me included. I thought I couldn't believe how they, you know, it's a bit more animated. It was definitely more raw than what the movie that we've got now. But, you know, this couple of minute scene in, in the car, you know, it was just absolutely brilliant. And that's where, that's where we start. And we start with the, uh, the music again. That was, that was from the test footage, you know, and inside the car. And you see all the title credits coming up, don't you? You yeah. know, made by some douchebag. And, you know, you've just got <laughs> no one's actual name. Yeah. out but just all these silly little jokes and it's one of those if you if you go in there completely blind you might not even be reading them but i remember being at the cinema and just laughing at each one that came up and just you know there was little um i think there's a coffee cup that has like rob liefeld's name on it you know so the artist that i mentioned again he was a big canvasser to make sure this movie made the screens and uh yeah you also get to see don't you in this in this opening scene that 
the violence, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an R rating, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then, uh, like you say, you get this whole thing at the start, but you get a little dig at the Green Lantern as well, don't you, Dave? As he's done in <laughs> slow motion, we see the Green Lantern, and it's like... And, and, I, and I, I didn't see it when it first came out. I think it was a year later, Dave. I don't know why I didn't fancy it, even though the reviews are really good. I don't know what was what time zone or phantom zone I was living in, but... I just want to, I so regret the fact that I never went to the cinema to watch it. And, and it's just brilliant. And the interaction he's got with the taxi driver now is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we have that quite violent intro, don't we? So yeah. he's, he's, he's in the middle of the cab and you get that really great camera perspective kind of, it's all, uh, everything's frozen, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, we go to the, we suddenly go and he's he's the passenger in a in a cab, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and and, and you get in this dialogue where he, you know he's, the driver's going on about his love rival, isn't he, with his his missus Geeter, and and they're having like a normal conversation because obviously Deadpool jumps to the front, like I'm getting bored, you know, I'm, I'm lonely back here, sort of thing. And and what I love about this, Dave, is for the whole film, he's not got a Batmobile, he's not got. You know, it doesn't fly anywhere. He's just getting a taxi with this bloke, doesn't he? He says, doesn't he? I've got a feeling I'm in here for a reason. Yeah. He says, yeah, you you called for a cab. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely ace. Absolute ace. And And it just sort of, it's taking the mick out of superhero films from the start, isn't it? You know what I mean? He's just he's just called a cab. It's just so, you know, you don't know what to expect at this point because you're just like, this is ridiculous. You know, what is going on here? You know, because you, you know straight away it's not a film to take itself seriously. Yeah, but we've not really yeah. had the fourth wall stuff at this point, have we? We're just getting this bit of dialogue. Well, we, so we, we did a little bit, didn't we? So I think, wasn't it before the cab scene where he says, you know, who who did I have to fondle to get my oh, own? Oh, yeah. He says, yeah, I can't yeah. tell you, but it rhymes with pulverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a smooth, he's got a lovely pair of smooth criminals down under. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm watching it now. He's talking now, just as he's, he's got out the cab, he's saying it. Yeah. So, so is it? Is it when he's got out the cab then? Just, yeah, he's on, he's ah, late, okay. so he's he, on so the bridge. He, right, so he, he gets out of the cab and then he's on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I love the matter-of-fact way he says as well, you know, he tries to give him the cab fare and he just says, oh, I never carry a wallet in my suit. <laughs> <laughs> but but how about a crisp high five? <laughs> yeah, brilliant, absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And then Wolverine, Dave, Wolverine, that is terrible. Apologies, (laughs) everyone. Uh, Deadpool then jumps off the side of this. It's like a a, a flyover, isn't it, on the motorway, the freeway. Straight down, straight into the action. And the action's just brilliant. He's getting his head smashed against the steering wheel. He's, he's, you know, he's absolutely nailing. You can tell, obviously, he's he's an expert in his field sort of thing, but it's just a slapstick way. Still, the music as well. The music's brilliant. It's just yeah. all put together so well. Again, you know, the, a lot of that was just taken from that test footage. You know, he's getting his head squashed uh, against the front seat and he's like, oh, smooth Corinthian leather. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, and he, he gets the he gets the cigarette lighter, doesn't he? And he 
sticks it in the guy's mouth and he said, I've never said in, this in my life before, but don't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at this point, he's, he's, someone's made a massive mistake if they've took anyone under uh, a certain age in, Dave, anyway, which he shouldn't have been in anyway, but you know what yeah, I mean? Thinking, yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely... Like, because obviously when you watch these films, we know it's an R-rated film at this point, but when you're watching the superhero stuff, you do get some very tongue-in-cheek adult humour, don't you? A bit like yeah, the Simpsons yeah. sort of dialogue where, you, you know, kids have missed subtle. it. Yeah, it's very subtle, but it's stuff that you can smile at as an adult or laugh. Um, but this is just from the get-go. And then what I love as well, Dave, though, is he, he does this fight and the car or the uh, the car, he's uh, like a navigator or whatever it is, like a navigator or Chevy, whatever it is. He's flipping through the air and he's upside down and he looks at the camera <laughs> and he's like, oh, shoot or something. Oh, I've left the stove on, I think. Yeah. And the next minute, it goes to full speed and the guy's head just gets cleaned off, doesn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then we go straight into a shot at Xavier's school at this point and we see Colossus for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And he's eating cereal. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, and it's the same mansion, isn't it? It's the yeah, same yeah. overhead shot of the mansion. I mean, it's, it's obviously, they, they don't leave the kitchen, so that's obviously a little studio. I have to say as well, one of my favourite X-Men was always Colossus. Yeah. So growing up, and they never really nailed it, you know, in the in the main X-Men movies. I think this movie nails Colossus way better than any of the any of the other X-Men movies did. Yeah. And he's a good foil, isn't he? Because he's like the good even though he looks the meanest one, he's actually the, the most goody two shoes out of the lot. Oh, he, and his character in the comics, he he absolutely is. I mean it, all right, he dates Kitty Pride when she's about fifteen, but apart from that, you know, he's, yeah. he's very much, you know, the very good hero. And uh yeah, I I just think that the animation, I know, has taken a, a little bit of stick, but uh, I, I think it's absolutely fine, and especially when you consider the budget. And I just think they've got the character nailed down. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think as well, they, they said this in the, the, when they were directing and making it, they needed someone who was a straight man as such. You know, they, they had to have a straight character for Deadpool's humour because yeah. it grounds Deadpool and also gives him a slight moral conscience, whether he likes it or not. Do you understand what I mean? So it's like... It, it worked, and they said, didn't they, like his Russian accent come across? Because obviously in the X-Men stuff, he didn't have a Russian accent, accent did he? When yeah, he was basically like a quarterback, wasn't he? Just yeah. all American boy. And Yeah, no, this, this I, I love this Colossus. And and they obviously see that there's trouble going off at the bridge, so they he gets his, uh, he gets his sidekick there, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Who's uh, who's a character created from the Grant Morrison run of the the X Men? So again, never honestly thought I'd see that character on screen, but uh, great to see a little peripheral character get on there. Yeah, and I think as well, I like the fact that she's wearing the yellow X stuff, which is a bit of a homage to the cartoons I used to watch in the nineties. The suit is not far away from what they used to wear in them cartoons from when I was sort of you know maybe early teens or whatever that were always on like the UK TV. So yeah. where Wolverine was actually five foot three and not six foot three, but yeah, yeah. It really it's a good little uh, subplot into them. And again, a little bit of, cause what they said is as well, Dave, the comic book stuff, they didn't want it to be too obvious for people 
The co- they want it too obvious for comic book fans, for, but for people who aren't comic book fans, they didn't want them to have to go away and research the stuff. So they tried to tell the story of the characters mm-hmm. within the film, which I think they got absolutely nailed on, to be honest. You know, I think they've they've done a brilliant job with the budget that they had. So, you know, if you, if you look at the story, there's really not a lot to the story, is there? No. And there's not a lot of scenes. There's not a lot of twists and turns. It's essentially, there's an origin story. There's a tracking down the villain. And then, you know, there's a kidnap and a rescue at the end. Those are your three points there. And they kind of hide that with this nice kind of jumping back and forth through the timeline storytelling device, which I think is just brilliant to make the most out of the budget they've got. And that's what it is, Dave. That's exactly what it is. I was just about to say that. There's a lot of scenes that I got cut from it because they simply couldn't afford to put them in. And and the decision to do this flip-flop in the timelines was a decision they, they thought they had to make because if it just run on its proper timeline the film wouldn't have had the same effect or built yeah. on the character. You know, if you just told, told the story of him, how he was, as, we, as we're now into the scene now where we've got the pizza guy and everything and, and you know, Wade's gone to sort of, uh, we think he's gone to this guy's house, thought we was ordered, because he said, like, I've not ordered pizza. Yeah. Again, this is all told and you can see it's within closed sets and everything. And, and again, it, it, it made it so good because you're flicking across different things. And I like things like that because it tells his origin story really well, but not in a a drawn out hour of just dialogue and things. You just, like, you know, because obviously some of the Batman stuff, which I love, but some of it can be ponders, uh, ponder along or whatever in mm-hmm. some of the older films whereas this is just straight in you know we're not messing about here and i just i just thought it was great yeah and it, it's just classic ryan reynolds again isn't it and and you know there's a bit of misdirection there so you think he's like you say you think he's uh come for the bloke who owns the flat and you know he's ordered the pizza and uh it turns out he's out well, he lets that go on for a little bit, doesn't he? And the pizza boy kind of says, you know, can I still have a tip? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, nope, because I'm not here for, for him. I'm here for you. And then doesn't he, he says something about a cat and the, the guy, you know, who's flat it is. He's like, I, I'm I'm so confused. I, I don't have a cat. <laughs> He's like, Who, who's, who's kitty litter that I just take a dump in or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And everyone's like looking around at each other, completely confused. And he's like, well, anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) it's just brilliant. And so you get plenty of one-liners in there, don't you? But then you can see, you know, he he sort of makes sure this kid really knows that, you know, he can't be stalking this girl again or or else he's going to have a, what what was his line? It's something about, uh, he doesn't only have, He's going to learn that his soft spots are hard or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, that came out wrong. Yeah. And then or, he kisses him on the it? nose. Yeah. Or did it? Yeah. And then he kisses him on the nose, doesn't he? And you can see yeah, he's absolutely yeah. petrified. But it works again. And, and it, that is just him, isn't it? He's, he's, dead, yeah. he's Wade Wilson, but he's just Deadpool, isn't he? The, the, it's not like he, he has um, 
a character sort of brain transplant when he becomes Deadpool, as we you know, as we're leading into it. He is just that's the way he is. He's just as smart like any one liners. He is like a comedian. Yeah. Uh, but he goes into the bar then, doesn't he? And we've got this sort of brawl thing going on where they've got like a score chart on the wall, aren't they? And he has some great lines with the barman. Some real funny But it's it's not just the score chart, is it? So no. it's the it's the Deadpool. So yeah. who's gonna die next? And and you get Weasel there. Why are you making me make that? Kelly 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 And uh you know they're having a bit of a back and forth and of course he asks him for that particular drink. He's <laughs> <laughs> like why why do you make me make this? And and then so he, he sets off this fight, doesn't between two of the two of the guys in the bar and it's essentially because he's got one of the guys in the Deadpool <laughs> as a bet as you do just want someone to be killed just, yeah. just for a bet like you do but we get that this bar is like the underbelly of the underworld of, of this town obviously yeah. it's filmed in Vancouver in real life, but we don't really get where it's filmed as such, do we? The actual uh, story. There's not, I don't think there's any mention of it being Vancouver, do we? No, it's, it's just could be any. Exactly, yeah. Any, anywhere in North America, couldn't it? Yeah, because he's a Canadian as well, isn't he? So it's like it's, yeah. he wasn't that far away from his home sort of thing. But, yeah, brilliant. And then we meet, obviously, his, uh, Vanessa comes into it at this point, you know, and she, she's sort of getting a bit of dialogue in and, and basically he, he, shall we say, hires her for 45 minutes, is it, Dave? Yeah, and, and uh, so this actress, I, I think I first saw her in um, Serenity. I don't know if you ever watched that. And she was, I think she was in Homeland as well, but really pretty Brazilian actress. And um, so, yeah, he hires her and, you know, says he, he wants to put some balls in holes. <laughs> so takes her off to the fairground. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do quite well there. And then, then they they get some rings, don't they? And you can see that basically Wade Wilson is just a massive, massive kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's talking about collecting these rings to make a super bot. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just think it 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 played that really well. That you know he's he's he is that big kid and uh, really funny and then you know I think in the movie I I think I really bought in to their relationship you know yeah. and it it was uh, it was passionate wasn't it for a, for a good year there yeah so we say that's PG passionate yeah, yeah. But, but no but believable like you said about oh, what film was it we were talking we we did. And you said, oh, it was Constantine where you said there wasn't any chemistry between Keanu Reeves yeah, and Rachel Weisz, even though I thought she was a good foil for him. This was perfect because there was that sort of tension. You could tell the way they're obviously acting, but it just worked and everything about was believable that they were actually in love sort of thing. It had gone from this sort of, you know, she's obviously... Physical. Yeah, physical, shall we yeah. say. Um, but then it, it develops into something more serious. And this is where you're getting this thing where, you know, each sort of uh, season as such, it's always like happy, in, you know, one of them is Happy International Woman Day. And I won't say what's going on there. You'll just have to watch it. But um, <laughs> she's enjoying herself more than he is. And then we're getting... Um, you know, happy Lent and things like that. So we see it's developing and her hair's getting uh, longer, which is yeah. supposed to depict the time that they're together and and everything's going great, isn't it, Dave? And then he decides to sort of get up around Christmas time with his Christmas jumper to use the toilet and um, 
just collapses. Yeah, and just just before there, he's proposed, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, and uh, so you're you're bringing that relationship, you know, in terms of happiness, right to its peak. But I do love the way she's, you know, he's got he's got no bottoms on. That no, she says, "Where have you been hiding that?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah, so you know, and it, I think in a very short amount of time, I, I like the way they brought that kind of mini love story if you like to the boil there and then very quickly it nosedives doesn't he because he he collapses and then we get into uh some of the diagnosis and we find out that he's he's diagnosed with late stage cancer yeah yeah which you know obviously you know what what can you say dave on a personal note for all of us we know what that's about but it's quite it's quite an interesting obviously it's just something that's in the comics as well because it's it's a real to get away with it but it's a real it could be a bone of contention with a lot of people, couldn't it? Oh, no, I mean, it's straight from the comics. He, he yeah. did have cancer. Um, and he signed up to the, what, what? I mean, they never call it the Weapon X program. Yeah. But essentially, you know, after he'd, he'd been kicked out of the Special Forces, he, uh, I, I mean, it's it's a little bit like the Joker, you know, they play around with his origins. So it's a, it's a little bit vague. But, Essentially, he signed up to the Weapon X program. He had cancer and, uh, you know, part of his cure. So in the comics, they've actually, there's a guy who plays Ajax's role, I guess, Dr. Kilbrew, and he's experimenting on Wade Wilson. And he's he's actually effectively taken Wolverine's healing factor and, you know, applied it to to Wade Wilson. So so his healing factor is taken from Wolverine. Obviously, they they never refer to it in the movie, but in the comics, that's that's where it's come from. Yeah, well, that's what, and that's what it's about, isn't it? Because we, we I'm obviously know the origin stuff, like you just said, you've just gone through it. All, but it's interesting because it, how, how can you tell a story, a love story, day like you've just? How can you tell it in about space about three minutes, but make it believable? That's very, very, very clever in this day and age. You've not got a long drawn yeah. out. Thing it just happens so quickly. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then obviously he's collapsed. We end up with him. The next scene is in a doctor's surgery. You know, doctor's surgery of his basically saying, you know, that's it. You know, you've got it everywhere. Yeah, liver, lungs, prostate, and brain. Yeah, so you know that, that's um, basically the end sort of thing. But he's he's gone all serious now, which he would be. I understand that, and it's a case of. Uh, he doesn't want to see her going through what he's, you know, what she's going to see because he loves the sort of thing. Yeah, and and you can see straight from the from the off. You know, she's all for supporting him. She she wants. She's looking to try and find. You know, what's the solution? Okay, what's the next step? And she she's in that mode. And again, I thought it was a really touching moment. You know, where she's asking the doctor all those questions and stuff, and he just says. You know, she's looking at plans A, B, C, D, you know, all of them. And, and I'm just looking at her face and trying to remember it. Yeah. You know, and it's like I'm looking at her for the first time and, you know, it might be the last, you know, or, or something like that. And again, I'm just really powerful. And like you say, within a few minutes, they've told this this love story and you really sort of feel for them. Yeah, you do. You buy into it, and that—that's—I know it's a comedy film as such, Dave. You know, but but to to do it in such a way, in such a film, is fantastic. 
it's believable. It's straight to the point. You can see the compassion and love they've got for each other. Brilliant. And that's probably the only serious time in the film because it's something that's as close subject to probably most people these days. So great, great way they did it, Dave. And it's done with, with that bit of compassion where you're not, there's no one-liners or jokes around that scene. It's, the, it's Like I say, it's probably the only serious tone to the film. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's because of the way this movie jumps back and forth. We're not we're not going to jump back and forth quite as many times as the movie, but I'm not sure if it's in this scene exactly or a little bit later. He, he sort of he wakes up from a nightmare and he he says, "Oh, it was, it was the one where Liam Neeson was after me." Again. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, he gets back into bed and, you know, Vanessa's trying to calm him down and that. And he's just, <laughs> they made three of those movies. You just have to wonder if he's a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely brilliant. You know, against this backdrop of melancholy, you know, he's he's still coming out there with the one-liners. They, they can't break him. They can't uh, take away his sense of humor. So then we go back to the bridge. Yeah, and we've got, obviously, Wade is stood around waiting, or Deadpool stood around waiting, and we have Francis on a bike. He's basically saying, where's the 200-pound... Uh, I can't really say what he says. Where where is it? Where would he be? And the next minute, this bike sort of comes at him, and he absolutely nails him and, and throws him against the side of the freeway, and, and absolutely knees his head off. And we get like Ajax Francis again, and Deadpool's just about to. So he's having a little speech of him and winding him up and. He reveals who he is, and he's like, he says, it's Wade F, F in Wilson sort of thing, uh, realises it's him, and then just as he's about to kill him, because he stabbed him sort of like through the shoulder at this point with his samurai, he turns around and he's like, he's clunking, and we've got Colossus, but he doesn't sort of grab his leg or anything, Dave. He grabs him <laughs> where it hurts, but for Colossus, it doesn't hurt. And then Colossus absolutely just rolls him into a car, doesn't he? Absolutely. But he's in slow motion. <laughs> Even though you can't see Ryan Wilson's face, it's brilliant how the, the mask, <laughs> just you can tell the fear as if to say, what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, even when he reaches back, you know, and he grabs Colossus and he just goes, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he throws him into a into a car, doesn't he? And so we also meet so we've met Colossus there, he's he's on the bridge, and then we also see uh Negasonic Teenage Warhead is is there as well. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, again, you're seeing lots and lots of back and forth between Deadpool and Colossus. And then he kind of brings in Negasonic Teenage Warhead as well. So he's giving her a bit of stick for being a, a teenager. And, like, what are you going to say? Are you going to say something mean? Or is it going to be long, sullen silence? Which one is it? <laughs> She's like, you've got me in a box here. So, <laughs> you know what I didn't mention? One of my favorite bits earlier in the movie when he's he's taking out all of those different hitmen and he's only got like eight bullets left and uh, he's sort of counting down on all of them. And then, you know, he jumps over the car and he's like, oh, bad Deadpool. Shoot someone in the head. Good Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets. I can't remember why exactly, but he gets annoyed at something, 
So he, he shoots shoot someone like about five times or something, wasting a load of bullets. And he was like, stupid. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, just the one-liners are just relentless. Yeah, and, and <laughs> when he's there, he, he starts looking and talking to the screen, doesn't he, to the audience. And yeah. he's saying, like, you know, these people who get – there's spin-off films where there are franchises that are always goody yeah, yeah. two shoes and closes goes, you know I can hear you, don't you? And he looks and goes, I wasn't talking to you, I'm talking to them. And like points <laughs> at the audience, you know, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, and that's the thing from the comics as well. So you've got basically Deadpool breaking the fourth wall and and talking to the comic book reader. But the other characters in the story just think he's talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you see it in the movie as well it's just brilliant and like you say he's, you know colossus is trying to get him to to be good and be a hero and whatever and he's he's giving him plenty of abuse back and saying you know he's not he's not gonna do it <laughs> but you know they they keep keep deadpool occupied for long enough for ajax to escape don't they yeah. And I love the little um, the reaction of him, where he just puts his hands up to his face, and and we've not mentioned it before, but the animated eyes, yeah. I just think again they just did a fantastic job of that. And so he's he's looking at you know where Ajax used to be, and looking back at Colossus, and looking back at where Ajax used to be, and looking at Colossus, and he's like, right, that does it. You know, and he, he jumps up and tries to smack Colossus one and just breaks his wrist on his face. <laughs> but Dave, this is a brilliant line where I just think he's aces. You know, he's there having a go at Colossus, isn't he? And like you say, Ajax is getting away. And she's trying to tell him that Ajax is getting away. And he goes, but an it's Sinead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he say, just skipping to the end of the movie, doesn't he say something like, nothing compared to you or something like that? And he does. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Wade said, trying to, as he gets away, he's trying to smack Colossus in and he breaks both his hands in an yeah. many pieces. Then he does a kick and he's got. <laughs> He's got one leg. It's absolutely amazing. It reminds me of the... Have you ever seen uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail where you've yeah. got the Black Knight and he's he's got both his arms chopped off and his legs chopped off and he's like, come here, I'll bite your legs off. You know, <laughs> and he's... But again, the relentless gags, no matter, you know, and he, he's got a healing factor. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And he's he's hopping around on his one good foot. He's got a broken ankle. He's got two broken wrists. And Colossus is starting, you know, even his goody two shoes, he's starting to have enough. And he's saying, oh, wait, don't you have off switch? Yeah. <laughs> he's hopping there and he just goes, yeah, it's right next to the prostate. Or is that the on switch? <laughs> Colossus just absolutely smacks him into the into the car, and that's when you see sort of uh, the, the kid sort of starts to laugh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't he? You know, and he's there. He's got he's absolutely caned, and he's just got no chance at all. And it's like, well, it was, I think it might have been before he. Again, when he, he's like, I promise this gets worse for you, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, 
so Colossus, you know, he, he sort of slaps the handcuffs on him and starts to cart him off. He's going to take him back to Xavier's mansion. And then what, what is it he says? He says that they're like blind only ever, ever see 127 hours. And then they're like, spoiler alert. And he just yeah, like, yeah. chopping his hand off, doesn't he? Because he's handcuffed to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, that, and that's where he says as well, isn't it? Where Colossus starts to drag him away. I'm take you to Xavier. And he's like, is that McAvoy or Stuart? I, timelines are so confusing. <laughs> after the 127 hours spoiler alert you know he's sawing his sawing his hand off there and then you just get the shot of colossus don't you and all the blood spurts in his face (laughs) he's like oh yeah there's the money shot (laughs) (laughs) so then you know he's cut his own hand off and he he basically falls into a uh, into a trash or, or a garbage truck and uh, he's he's escaped from the X Men. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, brilliant. It just it, it it's probably one of the funniest scenes in the film, Dave. Again, you know, we always have some humour somewhere in these films, but this is just ace. It's just so good, and and you just see a bit of his eyes moving in the suit, but it's just enough to give you that. You know, it gives you that emotion, which is really clever, really clever, just brilliant, yeah, absolutely think- brilliant. They did a great job, and I, I don't know, you'd never seen Spider-Man's eyes animated, had you? But then, you know, when when Spider-Man came in Civil War, you know, suddenly his eyes were animated. I, I don't know if they'd used the same technique or whatever, but that was the first time I'd seen animated eyes on a suit like that. So anyway, when I noticed it, and it, it just made him very, again, just like the comics, where it makes the character expressive, through you know what's a what's essentially a spandex suit yeah yeah which is absolutely brilliant and then the next scene well the next piece of the origin because we've gone with the timelines of the origin is he's in the bar and he speaks to obviously um weasel again and we we they have a good bit of dialogue don't they and, and they're chatting and then he mentions to him about like you know it looks like i'm going to win my bet sort of thing because you know they know he's got sort of terminal cancer uh, and he says he's a guy over there wants to speak to you. And we get this dialogue with this guy. He's got he says, he says um, what does he want? He says, I don't know, but it might further the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he goes over, he, go, he goes over to him and he's like, uh, he says, so about where are you from? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, uh, so to be kids and, you know, like a panel van or something. You know, basically, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a pedophile. And the guy's hair's immense, but he loved, I love the fact, Dave, as you know, I've said loads of times, the Matrix, and he's, he's yeah, calling Agent yeah. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it because he's got the suit on and he, he's basically saying, he's doing a bit of, um, what thing he's working in because you know we we know through the film it's to do with weapon x sort of thing yeah uh oh what's he called the um the colonel in x-men who, who changes wolverine william striker striker yeah, so yeah doing a bit of a striker on him anyway he's selling a dream like you know a, a bit of dialogue I, you know i can make you and i can cure your cancer but also yeah. i can give you abilities that men could only dream of blah 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 and he he, he doesn't really buy it does he and one thing I will say, though, a bit, uh, Dave, a bit of a footnote is he gives him his card, he walks off, and he says to Weasel, the drinks are on him. And he's not buying it. But what they did, Dave, this scene where he sees Weasel was supposed to be a bit later on, they actually filmed a scene where him and Vanessa go to Mexico 
to try and find a cure, like some radical mm, right. uh, cancer treatment. But they just couldn't afford to put it in the film, so it got cut. So that's why we got this straight into this uh, scene because they, they were actually going to show a bit more of emotion with Wade, where he's sort of wrestling with his conscience. Why do I want to go and see this guy? And that's where he arranged the meeting, but you don't get that. They actually decided that he walks into the bar and this guy's waiting for him. But in the original sort of script, he actually arranged to meet him eventually when he's, he's right, right. Of him. but that wouldn't have made sense for what they did with this. So it sort of got cut for the right reasons, as we know it did. It made sense, but it was just a bit more meat on the bone sort of thing with his whole cancer, willy wonty thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like the way he says, you know, he proposes to make him a superhero, doesn't he? And he says, says, how does that sound? I says, well, kind of like an infomercial, but not a good one. (laughs) 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 You know, when he's walking away, he says, you know, we are within 500 yards of a school. So you, (laughs) you know, just want to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, we, we get this whole thing then, don't we, where he, he, he's he's going off and he's talking to Vanessa and he's looking at the card and he then decides, look, I've got to do this, Annie, and he leaves her yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And, and, but even then, we get to meet, uh, she's called Gina Corona, which is an MMA fighter, Dave, uh, the, the girl who's like the superhuman strength. And she's pinning him to this sort that- of gurney. Right, Angel Dust. Angel Dust, yeah, yeah that's yeah. Gina. She's she's been in loads of things. She's been like Fast and Furious and that. She's always like a martial artist, but in real life, she was actually a bona fide MMA fighter who moved on into movies. So yeah, so Wade Wade essentially decides, doesn't he? He's, he? He can't put Vanessa through any of this, so he decides to he decides to go for it, and he's going to sign up to the Weapon X program. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it, it's very reminiscent of. Not you can tell the budget isn't there, like at, you know the Wolverine origin film when they put the adamantium into Wolverine and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you can see it's it's not far away from that world, is it? Because it's based along the timeline. So in some respects, there's a slight homage in some way, Dave, to them films. I know it sounds daft, but I got the feeling knowing the experiments that we'd seen on Wolverine over the years and that like this wasn't that far away. Um, yeah, so, and again, you know, if, I guess if you're just watching the movies, you, you kind of, you assume this is a bit of an homage or, pos- you know, possibly just plain copying off Wolverine Origins, whereas, like I say, Weapon X was the was the program that created Wolverine in the comics. It's also yeah. the one that created Deadpool in the comics. So, so it's all, it is all linked. You know, it's this underground, you know, or off the, off the books kind of military operation. Um, that basically creates these these mutated super beings. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know Ajax is there, and and he's just he, he Wade knows you can see he's absolutely petrified, but he he still can't get away from his sense of humour, can he at all? It's just he's just dropping all sorts of stuff now. <laughs> I like the way he says. Please don't make the super suit green. Yeah. <laughs> or animated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that real callback, you know, to the to the Green Lantern movie, which obviously hadn't gone down too well. Yeah, exactly. And he's saying about the names then, isn't he? What's your name? You know, he's like Bruce Scott. And then it does. Yeah. No, it's, it's like Ajax, that that sounds suspiciously like you've made it up. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
Is it Basil Fawlty? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he just he just won't stop, will he? But then your old MMA fighter, so uh, Angel Dust just clocks him, does he? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they just talk to him, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and I, I like the fact that they put the white doctor suit on him, Dave, like the jacket, like it means something, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> like by putting that on and having a bit of a stethoscope or something makes you a doctor sort of thing, and he's brilliant, absolutely menacing, you know. Well, what I would say is it, it, and again, it's it's uh, they, they've changed it for the movie, okay, but they just made it about, well, everyone has a mutant or, or mutation, an X-gene, if you like, and you just have to put the body under a lot of stress and it uh, the mutation will present itself, you know. And it, it was just, I don't know, I, did, I didn't like it. I, pr- I, preferred the, I preferred the comics version where they've taken, <clears throat> you know, Wolverine's DNA, essentially, yeah, and tried to graft it onto... Onto Deadpool. Well, if the lad, I mean, really, yeah, you're right, because it's sort of, even though it's the timeline, it breaks from the X gene thing that we all have, where you've got members of the family who are normal human beings, and then, mm-hmm. so, as we know in the X Men stuff, they, they hide it, don't they, because they've got the X gene and stuff. So, yeah, that sort of breaks away from that. And really, I, I suppose if you think of it that way, it doesn't really make sense because it's along the same timeline, does it? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah good but- spot there, Dave, good spot. But you know, so so they come up with this with this angle, and so we get a little bit of a torture montage, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You can see he's been being put through hell, pretty much in in lots of different ways, and you know he's having a he's having a little bit of a bonding moment with one of his fellow prisoners there, and then he says uh, at some point, you know, Ajax is is talking to the other the other inmate. And he says, "Oh, don't, don't listen to him. You know how hard can he be? You know, he's with a name like Francis. You know, <laughs> and it, from the very mo- first moment he met him, he's he's been trying to get his name, hasn't he? And he's he's snagged his kind of lab coat tag there, and so he knows his name's Francis. <laughs> and um, but then you know he's saying, you know, it's, it's obviously wound up Ajax there, and." But he's saying the problem is, you know, when you when you're doing round the clock torture, you can't really step it up from there. Yeah. And then Ajax is obviously rattled, isn't he? He's saying, you know, is that what you think? Right, we're going to put you in this little machine, you know, which is going to suffocate you. And then when you when you're about to to drop off and go unconscious, they'll put a bit of oxygen in, and then they'll suffocate you again. And then uh, essentially say, you know, I'll see you see you at the end of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And he, to, to, I mean, he, he drops a good line, he doesn't he, Francis, before that way he's winding him up and he's saying to him, I'll sew your mouth together, which is obviously the yeah, weapon X, uh, Deadpool yeah. line. And, it, and you see... Oh, like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> when he's that looking up, in he's just to say, come on. But that's brilliant, again, as comic book fans and Wolverine fans, especially me and you, Dave, you know, the X-Men, it's, it's a good... I just love them little things. I always say it, but I just love them little callbacks and little lines that if you were not a fan, you wouldn't notice it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just good. It's good, and but he's a good. He is a good baddie as such as well, isn't he? You know, he's he, 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 convincing. I thought. Do you think? I mean, I so so I remember I'd first seen the actor in Game of Thrones, and um, he was playing a. He was playing more. He was playing an assassin essentially, but 
I don't know. I, th- I think there's more villainous villains, isn't there? You know, I thought he was all right, but this story is all about Wade Wilson and Deadpool and, and Ryan Reynolds, really, isn't it? Yeah. So the villain could, he could be anyone, really. And, you know, if you're going to have any villain, why not have one with a British accent? <laughs> you know, well, just, yeah. could have only stepped it up if it was, if it was Terence Stamp. <laughs> well, then we are going up a level, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Remember to kneel, kneel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, Wade gets absolutely tortured within an inch of his life, don't we? As this scene goes off, and we, you know, we we come back to him, and he's, he's, you know, she stood over him, Angel, and his face is just totally contorted. And and what what they were saying, Dave, with this, with the way they wanted to represent his face after what they'd done to him was they didn't want it to look too Freddy Krueger. They wanted to sort of go down another rabbit hole, but I'm not saying I wasn't completely convinced by that because it has got a Freddy Krueger look about him, Annie, you know, so. Yeah. And again, you look at the comics and, and essentially the, he is a bit Freddy Krueger, you know, he's, he's, he's essentially like a, an extreme burn victim. Yeah. So you know when you when you try and draw one of those, it's it's there's only so many ways it can come out. Exactly, and and you know we have this whole scene then, don't we? Where you know things happen at the um, the actual experimental place where he is, and he's had all his treatment, and uh, he gets free, doesn't he? There's a big explosion, and yeah, so he he sticks the head on angel dust, and. I thought it was a bit strange that, you know, Ajax jumps in. So she's about to lay into him and Ajax jumps in and says, no, no, we probably probably owe him that one. And I thought, I bet you wouldn't be saying that if it was you. <laughs> you know? no, no. After all the torture that and, and punishment that they've been out, you know, delivered to him, I thought it was a, a bit strange to sort of hold her back from yeah. uh beating him up a bit more but you kind of see so so she'd always been going around with a with a match in her mouth and hadn't he said something earlier in the movie you know something about are you just a big stallone fan yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um so so he nabbed that match from her mouth so that when the oxygen kind of uh is next injected into the capsule that he's in it all explodes and and essentially you know we see a massive explosion don't we the whole facility there yeah yeah and it just you, you know he, he's there ajax and he sort of gets his bearings and he sees that wade's sort of casket sort of thing he's, he's smashed and then wade just mm-hmm. absolutely jumps at him and they have a great fight a really good fight where Wade, you know, he shows his body then, doesn't he? Because he gets burnt again and his T-shirt's on fire. And you mean yeah. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely ripped up, Dave, which is great. And that's him. It's not, there's no CGI. That's exactly yeah, yeah. hard for that. That's what they said about the suit. They didn't want him having a puffed up suit, like what they've done in the Batmans and stuff. They wanted mm-hmm. it to be him. And, and that lean look was perfect for the adaption of the comics. But he has this absolute battle, doesn't he? And we think he's dead at this point, because Ajax eventually gets the better of him, doesn't he? You know, he's still weak from all the torturing he's had. And, you know, the whole place goes up in smoke. But then, 
you know, it all comes to pass that he's got this healing stuff, hasn't he, where, he, he, you know, he's, he's cured of everything, isn't he, basically? Which, yeah, yeah. So it's his line, something about, I didn't just get the cure to L cancer, I got the cure to everything. You know, so he, he gets out of the ashes, doesn't he? And he, he sort of discovers, you know, he's got this this great sort of healing factor, apart from the fact that, you know, he looks like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, which I must admit, it doesn't I mean, it doesn't take it away from the film, but the fact that he can sort of regenerate hands and things like that, you'd think his skin would regenerate, wouldn't you? But I suppose it's got to be for what the character is, why he wears the suit and stuff. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's part of his flawed character. You know, if he was just, if he was, if he was like Ryan Reynolds, looks in real life, you know, and he could just regenerate. You kind of think him, well, what the hell have you got to moan about ever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but the fact that he is quite vain, you know, and, and ultimately he is human. You know, we all have a, a bit of vainness in us. So, you know, the fact that he does have this disfigurement does really play on his um, psyche. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And the humor is obviously used as a extra layer on his character because he's at this point when he's sort of following Vanessa into and, and you know, he's, he's out in the open as such. He has mm-hmm. got a huddle, but everyone's watching him and sort of saying like, you know, look at his face, look at that poor man. Yeah, yeah. feeling sorry for him. There's no one sort of taking the mic. And there's one guy who goes past him saying that your face is so gnarly, which I don't think <laughs> is the reaction you want, but it, these, these good little things here again, where it's given him that uh, layer to his character. You know, yeah. it's not just all wisecracked, but you can see that the wisecracks is used as a, 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 a like a defense mechanism. Yeah, it's knows. like a self defense, isn't it? Yeah, and then obviously he leaves Vanessa at her apartment, and we get this sort of reflection of him looking in the mirror of the wind. Well, the window reflection, sorry, of, of his face. You know, realizing what he looks like, and and then he goes to the bar and he sees Weasel again. And Weasel just says, you know, like an avocado. Yeah. <laughs> Very old. <laughs> With an older avocado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it? He's, oh, he, he just comes out. And again, I, 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 I've never seen the, the outtakes or the, the bonus episodes or anything of, of this, but I believe there's lots and lots of these one-liners, you know, that both TJ Miller and, and Ryan Reynolds are just going back and forth on. And he's just like, you are haunting to look at. <laughs> you know? And um, what does he say? It's, it's like, that, we don't even know if you can die. Hopefully you can die, you know, eventually. That would be best for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he says to him, he says, hey, I think you should star in your own horror films. You yeah, know, like yeah star in your own horror movies. <laughs> you look like yeah, Freddie yeah. He actually says it. And then we get into the <laughs> It's just, you know, you're horrible. <laughs> you know, uh, what can we call you? And he's like, you know, scare devil. Scare devil, die. I like that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Mis- Wade the wisecracker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he gets his name done, you know, he's, he's like Deadpool, and he's like, there we go. You know, he has his- <laughs> then it's like, Deadpool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ryan Reynolds goes, Captain Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're both like, 
no, no, just just Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they break glasses, and he says it sounds like an effing franchise. You know, another fourth wall. Yeah, gig and, yeah. and you know, he's going through the whole point now that we get this sort of thing where he's trying to find Francis Ajax, and and he's then experimenting with it, the suits in it. You know, different things, and he's going yeah. out battling against people and stuff. He looks like some out of a, a James Bond film, like a ski thing, doesn't he, and stuff, the way he's dressed. Yeah, yeah. I just kept thinking for your eyes only, because that's what they wear, and the baddies in it. Uh, even close, Dave, he's even got a... When he's first got the white suit on, that he even looks a bit like the uh, terrorists in the Superman 2. The actual... Uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my Dave, God. No, no, Dave, let me say, <laughs> it's, it's started. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say it at least once. That's your line that I'm stealing it. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's sewing the suit in he and, and and you know and, and we're pretty close to his actual uh, full on outfit at this point, aren't we? Where he's looking for Francis and stuff. It's, it's just it's just funny, absolutely yeah. funny and, and and brilliant as well. You know, and he's he, I don't know. He's, he's just the evolution of who he is. He's just fantastic. It just really is. So, and it's just, there's too many one-liners for you to forget. You've got to listen, yeah, watch it three yeah. or four times sometimes. Well, he, he starts off with the white suit, doesn't he? Like you say, you know, and, uh, but essentially when he gets shot, you know, and again, it all still hurts, doesn't it? But, yeah. but you can recover from it, but he gets back home and he's just covered in blood and you see him, he's at the laundry, uh, the laundrette and he's trying to get the blood out and that you get the first appearance of blind owl then, don't you? Yeah. And she's saying, well, you know, what was it? Lemon and soap or something, whatever it is, can get the blood out or just wear red. so you know then he he, that's where we get the evolution from the white suit to the red suit and as as you're going through this montage of different assassinations so he's essentially killing his way to francis isn't he and uh then he gets this little girl in a corner and he's like oh you know okay and then one another one a twin or something jumps on his back and he's like throws her off and he's going spider monkey <laughs> it's like I don't know. Is it sexist to hit you? Is it sexist to not hit you? I, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just absolutely brilliant. But but then again, very quickly, and you know, in a couple of minutes, we go through this montage, and and we we're up to the point where he's got his suit. Yeah, yeah, and he's just taking everyone out in here, and he tracks Weasel. Uh, not Weasel. He tracks down Agent Smith, doesn't he? Because he's yeah, still, you know, he, uh, yeah. He goes after him then to get hold of sort of the info for Ajax and that and absolutely levers him into a taxi, done into a door of a taxi and, uh, you know, he's... He's sort of, uh, again, breaking the fourth wall. He's He sort of moves the camera, doesn't he? He says, you don't want to watch this bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. The, the bones breaking. Yeah, brilliant. It's brilliant because he realises it's Wade Wilson and he says, Mr. Wilson, he goes, oh, you're very much alive. And that's exactly right. Yeah. The camera moves. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Dave. And he's looking absolutely petrified. And the all you pan to is the people at this veg store. <laughs> Absolutely, like jumping. Yeah, back. yeah. <laughs> so then, essentially, you go very quickly. You see him fall off. You know, from when he cut his hand off I to mean, get away from Colossus. It. Yeah, and then he's he's essentially he goes back home, doesn't he? And he, you know, he, then we get to see blind, blind Al again. You know, is at his home there, and she's 
busy putting together some ikea furniture <laughs> <laughs> you know and he he seems to revel in uh you know winding her up and he he doesn't sort of give her any any space at all for being blind he just likes to get some digs in at every opportunity there yeah he's brilliant absolute brilliant and and i mean she's quite a big character isn't she in the world she's actually once she's some sort of secret agent or something but it's never explained is it really it's just she knows stuff they sort of say don't they you know she's she knows a bit She's part of his entourage. I think she came in in that Joe Kelly run I, I mentioned. You know, yeah. so again, every big superhero they they need an entourage, you know, around them as well. You can, you can't just get by on like Batman on his own. Um, and this is the same. So Blind Owl is just part of that that whole entourage. And uh, I just loved the way he, he he's again he, he's just horrible to her isn't he and he sort of goes past her and farts and he just goes <laughs> hashtag drive-by <laughs> <laughs> but you know she seems quite quite nice doesn't she she's quite supportive of him and you know just takes his jokes and whatever and but he's pouring his heart out isn't he to uh, you know about all the things that are going wrong in his life and you know the fact that he's he's got this disfigurement and and he says uh you know he, he mentions himself doesn't he? he says you think Ryan Reynolds got by on his acting method yeah you know, that's when we get the line about David Beckham as well you know with, with a helium balloon which you know for uh, I was going to say Blade Two then for Deadpool Two he's he's apologising for in the in the promotional material yeah and we see the little hand as well don't we in this bit oh it's brilliant <laughs> there's a line there I know we, as a as a PG sort of rated podcast this is a <laughs> I don't want to say yeah but you know, yeah. it's brilliant and he's, he's right, go, go 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 yeah go. <laughs> Basically, it's the hand and the part of the body, shall we say. Yeah. Looking forward to the fact that he's got a small hand. But anyway, but yeah, again, brilliant, brilliant writing and his delivery is absolutely on point. Absolutely brilliant, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And then we move. Uh, so Ajax is is looking for Wade Wilson, isn't he? You know, he, he knows that it's him. So again, we're in, in the kind of present day of the timeline now, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, he's tracked down to this to this bar, and <clears throat> you know, Weasel says, you know, we, we've never heard of him, but of course, there's a picture of when uh, he and Vanessa were all lovey dovey up behind the bar. So Angel goes behind there, and, and T.J. Miller, so Weasel, you know, he's not quite on the same level, is he? But he's got some great one-liners as well. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you shouldn't be behind the bar. And she lifts him up when they eventually put him down. <laughs> it's like, you sure you don't want anything else? You want some clothes that aren't monochromatic? <laughs> <laughs> Have fun at the midnight show in a Blade 2. Yeah. <laughs> Just love that smart Alec response uh, that the pair of them have got there. So brilliant, brilliant. But then, Chris, I think we have to go to, and if we had a rating scale for Stanley cameos, yeah, I, th- I think this might this might be the top one. Yeah, <laughs> for Stanley's cameo here. <laughs> 
So basically, I mean, they go into a lap dancing bar and Stan Lee's there and he's the de- resident DJ, isn't yeah. he? You know? and he's, he's saying, let's hear it for chastity. Yeah. You, can't bu- you can't buy love, but you can rent it for three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Lines I never thought I'd hear Stan Lee say. Absolutely brilliant, Dave. Absolute brilliant. So we move on from Stan Lee and we get this sort of pan across the, the lap dancing club and we've got all the girls sort of gyrating moving and Deadpool's then stood right behind Vanessa as she's sort of clearing up a load of glasses and stuff because obviously she's waiting on the tables and that and again he absolutely you know bottles it doesn't he as, as you say he, he just he just can't yeah, bring yeah. himself to tell her that he's alive and what he looks like and she gets then a message doesn't she saying you know someone outside wants to sort of um speak to you yeah and, and we Some think about an old boyfriend yeah no yep. so we think it's when we're thinking all right he's plucked up the courage and she sort of goes out the back and it's raining and and, and you do and i must admit they've even watching it again this time i totally slipped this scene completely and you know this shadow comes up and obviously he's built like ryan reynolds but it's not it's mm-hmm. ajax in here and he, he, he yeah, kidnaps yeah. her because he wants to get wade you know she doesn't know at this point that wade's actually alive but it all fits in with this sort of the whole end segment i mean before he, he reveals himself with his hood up and that you absolutely think it's him don't you and, and oh yeah absolutely you know you, you can conv- i was convinced and and uh it's one of them where he says, uh, you know, she, she's just like in it. Oh, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's not. And it's a good little twist, Dave. It's a nice little plot twist. Because uh, she doesn't believe he's, he's alive, does he, even when he's saying it to her? Yeah, and, and again, I, I think she she she's not actually in the movie for that much, is he? Is she Vanessa? But I thought she did a great job in, the, in that little bit, you know. And again, you know, you, you kind of put yourself in her shoes. What a horrible, horrible position to be in, you know. She's had this whirlwind romance. The boyfriend's been, you know, diagnosed with cancer, and then he's just run out and disappeared. She's got no idea what's happened to him. She thinks she's dead, and then she thinks she's alive, and then she's suddenly kidnapped. You know, you just think, God, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I I thought she played it really quite well. Yeah, she did. She's good. Very good, Dave. Very good. And, And, you know... Wade then sort of ready to sort of pluck up the courage and he goes to see Weasel, Dunny, and he's like, you know, where is she? And he's like, she's out back. And he goes he's out back. He's a bit distracted, isn't he, Weasel? Yeah, yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. I think he's losing his money by the second, literally. That three yeah. minutes is a long time for him. And uh, <laughs> he, he goes out back and then we realise he's that, you know, she's been kidnapped. He finds some of his stuff on the floor and he's absolutely going mental, isn't he? And then he punches one and he goes back to sort of... Uh, it must be. I mean, it's, I think it's uh, Weasel's place, isn't it? But um, uh, no, because Blind Al's there, isn't she? So, so it's, oh, his, place. it's his place. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. gunshots on the wall and that. Sorry, you're right. You're right. And he's punching that sort of like doll in it, like <laughs> dummy. Sort of, yeah, like, the <laughs> he goes to town on it, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, he's then sort of the eighteen bit comes in then where he's he's gone full absolute schizo, getting everything gone. But then we get a great little thing where he puts the Hugh Jackman bag on top of his bag with all the guns you know like it's like a like you know few jackman from a couple of years ago of his sort of side parting slick yeah, uh, yeah. and stuff and, and yeah, yeah, it's really, an opportunity to to take a bit of a dig at hugh jackman yeah, they? brilliant absolutely brilliant and again it's all marketing even within the film absolute ace 
I like that, you know, he's he's essentially saying, get me the guns, all of them, you know, and when he's all tooled up and everything. And uh, Weasel's like, you know, I'd go with you, but I don't want to. <laughs> 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 I think had just really, really good delivery there. And what is it he says to Blind Al? He says, you know, uh, before I go, I just want you to know that there's something like a hundred pounds of cocaine or something buried in this flat, along with the cure to blindness. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> we we have like um, a bit of dialogue between Ajax and Vanessa, where they say like, you know, we he's alive, she don't believe it, and. He's, he's saying like he's a cockroach, you know, and all this, and and but he's mm-hmm. you know he's your boyfriend, but he's uglier. And then we get this bit. I was sitting crying today, uh, yesterday watching it. He goes and knocks on the X Men, you know, on Professor X. Oh door. yeah, yeah. And she answers, <laughs> and he goes, "Ripley from Alien Three, you know, it's just like, yeah, old man." He's just like absolutely laying into it completely, completely, you know, asking for help. Basically, I just love the way he just comes up, like he's he's asking for he's selling cookies or he's like you know canvassing for something. It's like yeah, hey, yeah. I need your help, and, and, and that's all played out brilliant, isn't it? And and then. He gets the taxi then, and he's got and then Colossus is sat in the back of the taxi, Dave. Squashed you know, in the back, squashed up. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Absolute brilliant. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned it in the movie background, but that line about, you know, it's funny, I only ever see you if you two in this massive mansion. <laughs> it's as if the studio can only afford the two of you, you know, <laughs> or couldn't afford another X-Man or yeah. something like that. Yeah, but, and he looks at the camera, doesn't he, as well, which is brilliant. Yeah. So so I love this bit in the cab again. I, I love the the first bit in the cab when it's just him and, and uh, Depinder. But this second bit as well, where you know they go over a pothole, don't they? And you hear from the trunk, you hear this, ah! and he goes, "What was that?" <laughs> and he's like, "Bantu, <laughs> you know, my romantic rival." And um, you know, so <laughs> I was taking the the lead from you. What I was taking your advice, Deadpool, and and. Uh, you know, I've basically kidnapped him and put him in the trunk. And of course he he's got his X Men there, hasn't he? You know, and, and he's uh trying to act like he's on his best behaviour. He sort of looks back and he's like, I did not tell him to do that. Now I must confess, right, I don't let my kids watch this film, yeah. but I have let them see this bit. <laughs> where he's just like I just love it again the delivery where he's like, I did not ask you to do that. And he's like whispering to him, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely great. Because that's like someone comes knocking on your door, doesn't it? Like, yeah, you all think he's done this. You're like, right, that's disgusting. And then he goes like, well done, well yeah. done, you know. And he's saying, and he keeps saying, and he's a colossus, he's just lost in translation. And he's like, well done. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you let him go and apologise to him or something. He's like, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to win Gita's heart back the old-fashioned way. Kidnap her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, no matter how many times I've seen it now, it just cracks me up each time. Just the delivery of it is just brilliant. Oh, it's ace. It's ace. And, you know, we get... <laughs> Sorry. Well, I've just got to say as well, you know, the fact that he refers to the X-Men as the boy, as Colossus's boy band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Colossus like, is not boy band. Yeah. <laughs> it's just again, just the relentless one liners. I, I just love it. It's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And we get like the three of them there. Uh, together, you know, and and he's like winding uh, her up in here, and, and then Colossus, he sort of stood there, and he's like, right, well, I've left my bag in the yeah, taxi, and he can't get through. again. <laughs> yeah, I can't get rid. He's like, we need this the old fashioned way, and you think that Colossus is going to absolutely nail because she turns up, don't she, Angel Dust, and you're thinking. Uh, you know, she's not she's not really revealed a hand, has she? She's lifted up Weasel once and there's been a couple of little bits, but you don't really know what her sort of X-Gene superpower is. Here it's implied she was made as part of Weapon X, whereas, uh, again, she was just like a mutant in the comics. But, yeah, ju- I mean, just before that, you get the, you know, they're up on what looks like a helicarrier, aren't they? Yeah. And yeah. Deadpool's like, you know, oh, she's going to do the super, superhero landing. Look, look, wait, wait for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she comes down, sure enough. And he's like, oh, it's great. It's terrible on the knees, but looks great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but she comes down, she absolutely takes Colossus out, doesn't she? She like, does, she does. Absolutely, it's just a match for him and some, you know, and... and it, it, I like stuff like this because it's totally unexpected because you're thinking, yeah, she's just going to nail, you know, bounce off him because Deadpool's had a go at him and he didn't get much success, did he? And, and like yeah. you say, it just makes sense because, you know, she's actually his, she's actually Ajax, even though you think he's the bad guy, she's actually more dangerous than him in a fight. Yeah, she's, but she's she's the physically imposing number two, isn't isn't she? Yeah. So when we were talking about Blade last week, we were saying you know the number two there, he's, he was just a bit of a tool. He wasn't particularly imposing at all. Whereas she, you know, just absolutely gives Colossus the beat down. Yeah, she and does. It, it's reliant on Negasonic Teenage Warhead, isn't it? So yeah, she, she's while while the fight's going on, you know, she's busy typing away on a phone. <laughs> Deadpool's like, oh no, it's okay. Finish your tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag it. Yeah. <laughs> but then we get to see her powers first off, don't we? And so she uh, gives as good as she gets. Yeah, she absolutely. She takes uh, Angel out, doesn't she? Really? Yeah, yeah. You see that, like, demonic yellow eyes and stuff. And apparently, um, Gina Corona's Angel Dust, she wanted to wear yellow contacts because I believe her character has yellow eyes. In, um, in the comics, I'm not, I don't know if you, you spotted that at all, Dave. But they didn't. They, did, they just said no. Uh, we're not going to use that as the character. She was pushing for it to be as sort of authentic as possible towards the character. But they actually said they didn't want to do it because she'd look too much like the vampires off Twilight. But I'm not sure. I get that sort of um, association with it. If I'm being honest, I can't. I can't remember to be honest if she had yellow eyes or not. Um... But yeah, I mean anything that's not uh, sparkly Twilight vampires, I'm all for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Vampires. <laughs> anything that's not sparkly <laughs> vampire Twilight bloody things, I, I'm I'm all for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that's that spinning gone that film, hasn't it? So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, really good, really good, and and. It's all like that. Even the fight scenes, oh, Dave, they're all stupid, aren't they? You know, they're all fighting and Wade's, you know, uh, Deadpool's fighting. And then all of a sudden, he, he just comes across one of the henchmen and starts chatting to him. Funny, like, oh, wait. So, yeah, and and I was, so I think he came in, I'm trying to think, it must have been about 
2010-ish, I think. So Hydra Bob was just someone he, he basically accosted from Hydra and and essentially just kidnapped him and he ended up being becoming a bit of a sidekick but that's that's who this is supposed to be it's like hydra bob but you know they they don't have any time or anything to elaborate on that story but well, so, so it's a bit of an easter egg more than a a plot device. Yeah, and one of the reasons was, Dave, I've, I've read this, I didn't realise that's who the character was. They said about Hydra Bob was they didn't actually own the rights for it. So it's a homage to the character, but it's uh, not actually, okay. that's the reason he's not mentioned uh, because of that. So it's, yeah. just, uh, it's a comic book one, but they couldn't actually really mention his name or anything like that because they, they, they would have been sued sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, um, so he, he they have a brief uh, back and forth, don't they? But then he just stick, sticks the head on him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he spells out Francis's name with all the bodies, you know, plus Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, he just won't let the jokes go, will he? <laughs> no, no. He's, he's having none of it, is he? And we get the, the big showdown at this point, don't we, where, you know, uh, Vanessa's in this sort of casket type thing and, and he's, he's finally crawled his way up and into the top of this sort of container-based type mm-hmm. situation. It's like an old ship or something, isn't it? Like, I, think it's a, I think it's supposed to be a shield heri- helicarrier. Oh, is so, it? You know, the, the things that like Nick Fury yeah, rides yeah. about on, I, I think it's supposed to be one of those. But again, you know, this is all in the Fox universe, isn't it? So exactly like Hydra Bob, um, you know, they just can't call it that. Ah, right. That's a good spot, that, Dave. I didn't know that. I didn't know that one. I didn't even see that in any of the write-up stuff, but that makes sense. Like the Avengers are in the Avengers Assemble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ah, good good one there, Dave. You're throwing the trivia at me there. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and the little capsule there, it's, it's the same type of thing that Wade was put in, wasn't it, that basically suffocates her by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Dingy. But she... Gets out, doesn't she? Wade's then, you know, getting hammered at this point by Ajax, and and his sword has gone through the, this sort of capsule, and and she just comes over and just gives it to Ajax, doesn't she? And sort of stabs him. Yeah, so so she does, doesn't she? With the with one of the samurai swords, and and because Ajax has has planted a knife right in Deadpool's head, and he just sees all these like little cartoon characters yeah <laughs> jumping around and stuff again very much from the comics because because deadpool's pretty he's pretty much just crazy you yeah. know <laughs> and you know little things like that it's just brilliant for me and the music though the music sort of because he's got the knife he's like saying to Rinia, you know i love you and all this and he gets up but the music's playing but he's playing like a record player yeah, him, yeah slowing down because he's got the knife and then as soon as he takes the knife out of his head it all comes back to him at full speed and that's it then isn't it he absolutely dave i'm gonna say it it took a long time he just starts taking names at this he point does. <laughs> i mean he, he's taken a lot of names hasn't he over the course of the movie but uh yeah he's he's, he's giving him the beat down isn't he he's giving it the maximum effort yeah, proper thingy. And you get like Colossus and I can never say her name, Dave. Mega. Negasonic Neg- Teenage Warhead. Negas- yeah, exactly. That one as well. Her. I'll just call her Sinead. But Sinead then decides to uh, just just absolutely come in, don't you? Because Colossus, he's, he's getting strangled by Angel Dust. Yeah, I mean, she, she's, again, Angel Dust has, has had the beatdown on uh, Colossus all the way through it, hasn't it? So it's only uh, Negasonic who's, 
who's had the upper hand there. But yeah. in, in that explosion, she, you know, she starts, she takes down half of the helicarrier. So that all starts to, to capsize. And so Vanessa and Deadpool and everyone is just falling down off it. So, you know, he says, I've got an idea. You're not going to like it, but you know, chucks Vanessa back into the capsule and, um, he's sort of hanging off there, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like, you know, you're not going to believe me, but I've got this completely under control or <laughs> words to that effect. And yeah. so, uh, you know, again, he gives it the maximum effort, gets Vanessa off there. And then um, is that where, <clears throat> you know, after all that carnage and what have you, uh, I think Colossus gets, you know, uncovers Vanessa. She looks okay. And Deadpool's up, you know, he's halfway up this helicarrier. It's like, wow, that was so cool. And then Ajax is still there. So he tries to take him out. You know, so they have a bit of a, uh, a bit more of a showdown there. Deadpool's getting on top of him, and and then essentially he's gonna he's gonna execute him, isn't he? So he's gonna he's got the gun to Ajax's head, you know, and he's gonna take him out. And that's where Colossus says four or five moments. You know, that's all it takes to be a hero. It, it comes down to these these four or five moments, and you know, he, he gives a bit of a speech. <laughs> Deadpool's kind of half listening there. <laughs> he's, so, he's giving a bit more of a speech, and then you just hear, "Bam!" <laughs> you were just going on and on. <laughs> and Colossus again. He's the he's the goody two shoes. He's puking up. He's like, "Why? Why would you do that?" You know, like I say, he was just he was just getting bored with it. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. the baddie's gone. <laughs> But um, so essentially, he walks up to Vanessa. So in in amongst all of this, you know, she's got over the shock that he's he's alive. And uh, initially, she she wants to let let him know that she's not happy about how he walked out. So he's like, she goes to uh, she hits him a few times, then goes to whack him between the legs. You know, and he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll take it in the face, but but not there. But I just love, you know, she says, like, you know, he says the face under this mask is not the one you remember. So she's like, come on, let's see it. So he takes the mask off. And then again, you've got the Hugh Jackman little mask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think about it, all through the fight and everything, you know, and getting ready before you get in the cab is staple this Hugh Jackman mask. Prints out of a mask onto his face. Yeah, it's absolutely so, um, brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. And and again, I think it's you know he's just expecting her. <clears throat> you know, even though they've had this whirlwind romance, you know, and he's he's obviously a good looking bloke in real life, and and Wade Wilson considers himself a good looking bloke as well. So he he just sort of thinks, well, how can she love me when I look like this now? But you know, she she sort of says, well, you know. Uh, plenty of drinks and and you know we could try and make it work um and then, then um yeah that's pretty much it isn't it i think yeah yeah they, I, I, there's the line <laughs> yeah again there's the break in the fourth wall isn't there so um yeah, yeah. you know it, oh that's it so he's saying to colossus and negasonic he's like what are you still doing here go off you know <laughs> um and again, Colossus is still trying to recruit 
Wade, isn't he? But he's he's sort of having none of it. He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go up, go off. And actually, Negasonic says something like, um, "You're cool." or something like that. And he's like totally taken back, isn't he? You know, oh, I'm so proud of you. And, you know, that wasn't mean. And then you get the, the camera shot that's sort of pulling out. And he he's, Deadpool's giving a commentary, oh, the camera shot now is pulling out. Going to be the only thing that's pulling out tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, of course, yeah, we've not mentioned Wham, have we? You know, he's got a bit of an obsession, even even as Wade Wilson. But, you know, at the end there, they're playing out to a bit of Wham, Careless Whisper. Brilliant. And then we, we get the credits. And we, we probably should mention, I, I, in fact, I, I don't even know if you know, but because we were speaking about one of the other movies and there being an end credits scene. So so did you leave it running for the end credits? Dave, as Ferris Bueller's Day Off <laughs> is one of my favourite films of all time. There's no way I was never going to wait to the end for this one. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely class. And if you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you probably won't get the reference, but the way he comes out, looks around the corner with the the smoking jacket on and everything, but still with the Deadpool outfit on, it's just brilliant. Absolute brilliant. And he's saying, isn't he, like, you know, uh, you're expecting some end credits and that we haven't got the budget or something. Yeah. You know, he's just a line in there, done. it's brilliant. Absolutely. But, you know, again, just absolute genius. So he's he's obviously saying it, and it's a bit of a funny line, but it's the truth as well. Yeah, it is. It is the truth. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we've got nothing to show you, but we're going to do a sequel, i.e., you know, studio. We, we want a sequel as well, and we're going to have cable in it, you know. He's talking about all these, this stuff, which... You know, in a in a classic Marvel movie, they they probably try and show something. You know, whereas this is just like, no, do a, do an homage to Ferris Bugler, and just talk about some stuff that you want to do in the second movie. Yeah, Absolute he, genius. Because he says, "Don't he goes? I know you're waiting for Sam Jackson to turn up in a saucy eye patch <laughs> and all that. You know, <laughs> we've got the budget, and then that's what he says, "Don't he? Let me tell you one thing. Yeah, there's a sequel, and we're going to have Gable in. But I tell you what, David. Obviously, we're at the end of the film, it's just Basically, the whole film has just been two fingers up to that Fox for not believing in the project because just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know we've got to do our scores and that, but it just knit together well. And the fan even says, chicka, chicka, the end, doesn't he? Sort yeah. of pops his head round and does the, the the noise. That's out of Ferris Bueller. So, yeah, no, Dave, I was never going to not miss the end of that, you know, yeah. at all. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Brilliant, absolutely so- brilliant. Should we go into our wrap-up then? Yeah. Let's go for it. Okay, so Chris, I think it's your turn this week. It is, Dave. Um, Now, obviously... I said before, I missed the start of this film's original release, which is absolute sacrilege. You know, it is poor points for me, and it'll go down as a black mark against my name because when I watched it probably probably 18 months ago, Dave, something like that, maybe a year ago, I I was just amazed by it, absolutely amazed by it. And like we said, we we watched Blade, and I said at the start I'd give two scores for Blade, going over the time. And obviously we're only talking a difference of about 12 months between watching it. But I kept thinking, will it hold up? And and knowing 
when you research, like you said last week, the, the, we're overcritical now because we're doing a review podcast. So you sort of have to take it away sometimes and just believe what you're watching is part of the story. And if you look too deep into things, it can ruin it. And I think in some respects, the, the Blade stuff last week did a bit of the CGI and a bit of the fact that they had to reshoot was different. But the fact that this film was done not on a shoestring because 58 million isn't a shoestring, but the fact that it wasn't, it didn't have the money behind it that, you know, the Avengers has or anything because it was an R rated movie. They just didn't think it was going to do anything because Reynolds had tanked in sort of um, the Green Lantern. So I, I didn't know any of this with this baggage the first time round. And the first time round, I was absolutely blown away. One of my favourite superhero films, but this so, time. So can I just ask then, what, what was your first... So how did you come around? How did you come about watching the movie? It was just people had kept saying to me, you've got to watch it. And and a lot of my friends right. were like, before even me and you had the idea of the comics in motion, people saying like, you've got to watch it. I can't believe someone who loves them. They all know I love, you know, the, the Incredible Hulk, stuff like that, you know, the Superman especially mm-hmm. as well and things like that, Batman. They said, I can't believe you never watched Deadpool. And he was a lad at work at saying to me, he said, I just... I, you know, we we were this podcast was not even in its infancy. We'd not even discussed it, so it's not like I was coerced into it for the podcast. And this guy kept saying, "You've got to watch it." I, like, I said, "I don't know why I didn't fancy it." I was just like, "Oh, I'm not sure about it." And then when I watched it, Dave, I was like, "You absolute idiot!" You know, and that was then. <laughs> and then go fast forward twelve months, where now obviously we have got the baggage of, in some respects, of we're a reviewing um, podcast of comic book media we are going to be a bit more overcritical than what we are. Um, I wasn't sure what I say, but Dave, it's still up there as one of the best. And, and like I said to you, the only thing I would say is I do think in some respects, Asgard is the film. I said it last week. It's just the pinnacle, but for just sheer enjoyment, the fact that it breaks the fourth wall, there's loads of pop culture references. There's loads of like, you know, Ryan Reynolds taking the mick out of himself, the the Hugh Jackman stuff, Wolverine, the, the, you know, the whole comic book stuff. And, the, and the, like we said, the budget in jokes. And the, I felt that most of his lines are ad-libbed where he's talking to the camera. Uh, it's fantastic. So for me, Dave, it's going to be an Asgard all the way. Nice one. So, and again, before I give my, my final score again, I, I've just got to put my cards on the table that... You know, through the 2000s and, and into this decade as well, you know, I was reading a lot of Deadpool. I absolutely loved the character. I was, I've got pretty much the whole run of Cable, uh, Cable and Deadpool, and I was so invested in this movie happening. And I, I'd got to the point, like I say, when that test footage came out, when it was leaked. I just thought that, well, this is the only Deadpool I'm ever going to see. This and the the Wolverine Origins Deadpool. So to actually get the film that we got for a character that I absolutely love was just brilliant. I, I just never, ever thought it would happen. And like I say, absolutely didn't disappoint in any way. If you're critical, and and, and I can take a big step back, you say, well, there's not, you know, you can kind of tell the budget's there. Actually, they hide the budget quite well, don't they? Yes, they do. You know, they and do. the way they do that non-linear storytelling and jump back and forth, if they told it in a linear way, you know, it's an origin, it's a bit of a chase, tracking down, 
and then it's a it's a rescue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's not a lot to it at all, but, but kudos to them, you know, they hid it really well. And this kind of, uh, marketing campaign that they had, again, just absolutely brilliant. And, and, you know, hats off to, to Ryan Reynolds and TJ Miller as well for, for making this happen. This one for me has to go to Asgard. And again, it, it's not a perfect movie, but I just think the whole journey that it's been on, and the way that, I mean, it looks, we were talking about Blade, weren't we? And I, I can't remember what the budget was for that. But in, in context of the time, it would have been more, I'm sure, than what, what Deadpool was. And I just thought they did a brilliant job. And, and they made it look like much more expensive movies look. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, to be fair, Dave, until I researched this today, if I'm being honest, I didn't have a clue about this budget restrictions or, um, the, you know, the, the, the way it was filmed. It didn't give that, like I said the other week, and I said about the Batman stuff, sometimes you can tell, like the Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's a claustrophobic feel to the fact that they're on set all the time. This didn't give me that, which is great storytelling and great writing because it never... I never had to take myself away from the characters on the screen and look at actually where they were. But really, they're only in four or five different um, areas within the film until you get to the end scene, which is obviously where yeah. all the budget went. But very, very clever, very clever. Smoke and mirrors, really, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. It is smoke and mirrors. But, you know, you you don't notice it unless you're kind of trying to look for it, don't you? You know, and... Uh... I'm going to be interested. So <clears throat> what I would say is all of this movie is it, it's centered around Deadpool. It's centered around Ryan Reynolds. And, and like you said, I can't think of another actor who could pull that off. Yeah. You know, but it, it, the film rests on his shoulders. It's going to be really interesting when we look next week at Deadpool 2 and see how does that evolve. Because I mentioned about the comics and New Mutants kind of rebooting that comic and, and becoming X-Force. I think that's what we're going to get in Deadpool 2, is we're going to start to see those X-Force characters come in. So the yeah. likes of Domino, and uh, you know, you can see them in the trailers. They're all coming in, and and Pete, the guy with no powers. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. That in the that in the trailer is the best bit about it, isn't it? You know, like what powers have you got? Nothing. <laughs> Just I, I, yeah. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's in the parachute, isn't he? Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I've um, already seen uh, a picture of a cosplayer. Uh, just dressed as Pete. <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah. But no, absolutely brilliant. And I cannot wait. Having, I'm delighted that we decided to do this yeah. before the second one came out because I am chomping at the bit now to watch that movie. Oh, I mean, I'm going to watch it on Friday um, this week. So obviously we, you know, breaking our fourth wall, we're recording this midweek before the, the podcast goes up for, you know, Deadpool. So we will have, by the time this podcast goes up, we will have watched Deadpool 2, won't we? So we'll be yeah. sort of setting the schedule to record uh, for Deadpool 2's review for next week. So really, really good, Dave. Really yeah. good. And, and and I'm with you. I've convinced Sam and Jordan to go and watch it because they would do a bit of shopping. And we watched it last night. I don't think Jordan was completely sold on it, but I'm sure when we get in the cinema, she'll be laughing at some of the stuff because I've seen, I've not seen any spoilers. I've seen nothing, but I have seen the fact that, you know, just generic 
reviews and sort of people's reactions on Twitter, non-spoilers, it looks like it's going to be ace. And the, the one thing, Dave, that I hope they don't lose is it was made such a good film because of the restrictions it's got on it. Yeah. Well, there's going to be no restrictions on this now because it was a juggernaut. They're going to put everything behind it with the marketing that which they've done. So obviously I've seen stuff at United as a United fan. They've done one there where it's supposed to be Ryan Reynolds is at Old Trafford. You can clearly see he's in a stadium somewhere in America or Canada with red seats, but he's trying to pretend that he's at Old Trafford and you get like, you know, one matter and Sanchez having it up, you know, like, because uh, they've given like these Deadpool kits and stuff and everyone's got right. It's like a daft advert, you know, for the film. But then you've got other stuff he's done where he's done these other adverts as well, the marketing. So you can see it's been completely ramped up to the hill. So it, it, I just hope it doesn't lose its identity as such. And I don't believe it will going off what I've seen from the positive. I've not seen any negatives. It's that it's that intimacy, isn't it? It's that it's that closeness, you know, of the script, the storyline, everything. I, I I I agree. I I hope it doesn't lose any of that. From what I've seen of the the marketing campaign, I mean, I mean, they're doing exactly the same thing. They're just doing it in a very very clever way. I I love the. Um, there was the uh, it's not even a teaser trailer i don't know what you'd call it but you know the whole superman piece that they did do you remember yeah. that one yeah yeah where you know he gets changed after about five minutes killed, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he spends ages getting into his deadpool suit and you hear the gunshot and he gets out and he's like oh you're not gonna run that off <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I, sh- I should have called nine one one in in hindsight. <laughs> Brilliant! I what saw the hell's a phone booth doing here? <laughs> exactly, I saw that in the in the cinema that trailer. I don't know what film I was watching, but I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, really, yeah. really like a teaser in it. But yeah, I, just brilliant, Dave. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah. a great thing. And then I've also got next week myself a solo as well, midnight launch. So I've got a busy weekend of yeah. films. So Have you seen that with Asa? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very good, very Mark, good. Mark, his friends coming down. He, he's a bit of a, and it's the first time I've seen him since Christmas because since we went to see uh, the Last Jedi. So it's I don't the, the last times I've seen Ace the last three years has been when we've been to Star Wars. <laughs> so this is a friend of mine and Dave's who, who's yeah, the drummer yeah. in our band. So it'd be so, interesting to see what they think of that. Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel quite right to me to have a mid-year. Star Wars release, you know, no. the, the last few years we've had them around Christmas, haven't we? And it, it just, yeah, I don't know, there's something a bit premature. Yeah, there's something I don't know. I don't know. There's just something not. I'm not completely convinced. It's a character I really wanted to have its own origin film, but the fact that I mean, it, it doesn't mean for that stuff like Blade and that that were reshoot and some of the other stuff we've reviewed, it's not made any difference. But the fact that it's had such terrible reshoots because of how bad it was and because of what happened with the director leaving and stuff and Ron Howard's on board. I don't know. I'm not, I think in some respects, I understand with Star Wars, you can't hide the director because it's just a juggernaut machine. It's going to make money, whatever happens, you know that even if it's just, even if it's off just the, the the toys and stuff, the merchandise, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if Ron Howard will get it. He's always going to be Richie off Happy Days, so... I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. He's, he's done some good movies, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, some some crackers coming up. We'll have to, we'll have to review some more stinkers after after we've go through this purple patch. Yeah, I think, I think to be fair, Dave, um, 
I'm ready for an absolute disaster of a film that I know nothing about. So you'll have to pull one out of the bag for me. I actually know nothing about it. Rider it is. Yeah, yeah. What's that if you want? We'll see, we'll see. Um, So, So, Dave, is it time to wrap it all up? I think so, I think so. So, Chris, if someone wanted to get in contact with us, how would they get in contact with us? Well, we've got two platforms as such to contact so social media is solely at the moment on twitter and we are at comics in motion p on there give us a follow uh, we'll follow you back uh, get involved in the facts and anything you want us to review in the future as we keep saying we're getting more and more requests now so dave's got a nice little backlog of uh, comic book based media stuff we're going to review and then also if you need to email the show it's comics in motion podcast at gmail.com so, Dave, obviously I always pl- plug in my stuff. So you go first. What have you got to plug this week, mate? Get yourself over to Grassroots Coachcast. So uh, myself and my co-host, Ben, we discuss all things around that. And what we were discussing in this last week was around end of season awards and some of the politics around that and something that should be, you know, really positive, but, you know, can sometimes be fraught with political danger. So, Chris, do you have any any plugs you want to give us? Yeah, um, I have, as always. I've got... uh, the Contextual Podcast, which is under a slight uh, different direction we may be going with, a, with the way, because I've been involved with these streamers, Dave, as I've mentioned. It's all like gaming-based video games with a bit of touch of football and MMA and stuff and a bit of the wrestling. And we, we're getting involved with more people wanting to come on and just, just talk about their streaming setups and the gamings. And like now, it's a big time around june we have the e3 expo in los angeles every year and this is where you get all the big boys re- revealing all them the games and new consoles potentially like the playstation 5 might be getting announced i don't necessarily think it's going to be out this year but they're going to announce it they think at the show so we'll see what's going to come with that so it's a good little this month now is brilliant for me because i love the excitement of building up of what's going to be revealed so uh it's all stuff about that with the podcast but yeah if you're going to sort of listen to the podcast on Twitter, uh, I'm contactable uh, at contextualpod1 and emails contextualpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Dave, just before we go, uh, one thing I don't know, we, we are going to be doing another podcast, if you don't mind me mentioning it, um, which we're in the sort of preambles of trying to plan and getting that together what we're going to do but it may be something around the world cup that starts in june a football related one which we both have a love of yeah so i mean this is this is very early days isn't it so it's a germ of an idea at the moment but kind of what we think is you know chris and i are both football fans uh, both on on different sides of the of rivalry. Yeah, still good friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We shouldn't be, but despite we are. That, despite that, you know. So, so probably, and it's not just going to be us. So we'll have a few other people in as well, um, and we'll follow the World Cup, um, and particularly when the group games are on so you've got like three games a day so we'll just try and put out a daily podcast where we're just talking about the matches that have gone on um and give our perspectives so so just like a daily uh catch up on that world cup but you know something a bit a bit different to this one and and quite looking forward to it i think it'll be a lot of fun 
Yeah, it will. It will. I, I don't think we're. I don't think my. Even though we support different football teams, I don't think our views on football is any different, especially with the national team, the English national team. So it'd be interesting to see whether we do get sucked into the, you know, the hype as always. I mean, listening to talk sport today was a joke anyway. You, you, you're absolutely ready to nail England to the, you know, to the cross as such, you know, Beckham, another, <laughs> Beckham uh, effigies are going to be going up, I think, before they even got there. So we'll see about that. So so can I ask you this one, actually? I was listening yeah. to your um, episode 43 of, of the Contextual, and and I heard you talking about Pez, the latest version, has got some footage of, like, Beckham. Yes, it has, yeah. What's all that about? Didn't he retire, like, 10 years ago? Well, Dave, exactly. <laughs> You've got Coutinho on there, and then what, what they do is they've got, like, these... Like, FIFA have got what's called the ultimate team. So what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a pay-to-win game mode, which... But the, the ultimate team is a game mode within a game within FIFA. And you've probably seen it because you've got FIFA and you played it. But ultimate team is actually more of a bigger franchise than Pez is. This sounds stupid. It's a game mode within a, mo- a game, but it's actually a bigger... Right. It, they could actually sell that on its own as a separate game if they wanted to EA and FIFA. So Pez brought out this thing called My Club, which is pretty much just a rip-off, really, mm-hmm. of, of Ultimate Team as such. It's slightly different concepts, but it, it basically it's pay to win. So the more you pay, the better the team is. It's absolutely ridiculous when you've already paid for the game, and I don't abide by it, to be honest, with uh, Pez and that. And they have this thing where they'll have like um, on FIFA, you have like a card, like you know, like an Panini sticker book thing where you open the, the, the sticker books, but you're not sure what you're mm-hmm. going to get and you end up with the swaps and all that. Basically, that's what Ultimate Team is. You, you, you gain points by playing games to unlock players and then you've got like a transfer window and all the players are valued on this transfer in coins. So like say Ronaldo's worth a million coins, you might get someone like, I don't know, uh, Chris Smalling's worth, you know, 700 coins, yeah, 20 people. I'm being generous there, probably 700 coins or whatever. And it's a sliding scale of popularity and stuff like that. Well, then Pez brought out this one called Michael, where it's like a ball roulette. So it's similar concept, but basically you have like different tiers of balls. So you get a bronze ball, you're getting an absolute, you know, Sunday league job, silver and so on. So you get to like the black balls are like the Ronaldo level and stuff like that. Um, and they brought it out. So the only way you can get these players like Beckham and stuff like that is by basically you've got to pay to win. It's very hard to unlock these players by luck. And it's just a joke. They're not even in the game, Dave. I mean, Beckham was great in the old Pro Evos that we used to play years ago, but it's like that ship sailed. He retired about five years ago. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand he's a legend and stuff, but it doesn't bring anything. So it's just a marketing tool and Beckham's getting paid big money and that game will just be a disaster again. I mean, I won't go into my Pez soapbox because we'll be on the, another episode of the contextual if I start getting on my soapbox about that. But that's basically the reason, Dave. It's just, a, he's an ambassador, in he, for football. So... They just Beckham's just taking the money and running. I think I think he just had to turn up at the odd press day, smile a bit, and uh, take his cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Good businessman. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, getting him in on the Deadpool train as well. Well, yeah, that's a brilliant <laughs> one. And thanks for leading me on to that. It's a great little uh, skit <laughs> on YouTube. Like, you know, what are you apologising for? You know, uh, well, Green Lantern. R.I.P.D. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's rattling them all off. Yeah, he's proper goes that in, doesn't he? So, Dave, I think uh, 
we're at the end of the episode now, mate. I think um, it's time to ride off into that Deadpool liker outfit and um, get set for next week. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd quite look quite as good in that riding off into the sunset as uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, I think I'd have a lot of chafing, Dave, I must admit. <laughs> yeah, there'd be a lot more muffin topping, I think, going off. <laughs> <for me. laughs> but, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely no, brilliant. Really, really great movie. And like I say, just chomping at the bit to, to watch the second one now. No, great, Dave. So, everyone... Episode 15 is in the bag. We're just grinding these out, having a great time. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I've been Chris Phelps and Dave, it's over to you. And I've been Dave. Thanks for listening to the Comics in Motion podcast. I'm not going to carry on much longer, but if you want to drop one of those five-star reviews, that'd be lovely. See you next week. Bonnet de douche. Yeah, it's me, Deadpool, and I got an offer that you can't refuse. Wait up here, okay? Big house. It's funny that I only ever see two of you. It's almost like the studio couldn't afford another X Men. Three, two, stupid! What? Throw my money on you now. Surprised I'm never gonna win. Captain. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, little fire I don't want to see that or think of it again. But the douchebag does think you're dead, right? Yeah. That's good. You should keep it that way. What, like, like wear a mask? Yes, a very thick mask. All the time. I'm sorry, you are haunting. Your face is the stuff of nightmares. Like a testicle of teeth. You will die alone. If, I mean, if you could die... Ideally, for others' sake. That'll do. All you need now is a suit and a nickname, like Wade the Wisecracker or Scare Devil, Mr. Never Die. <laughs>